You're listening to Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our spring 2022 anime season first impressions. It's time to dive into the season, let you guys know what is important to check out, or at least give you an idea of what it's about, and then you could decide. We're always about people deciding if it's something they want to watch or not. It's not really about us selling you on it. I mean, sometimes the, the hype gets over us, and we we have to talk you know extensively about how much we love something, but. Yeah, we're going to be doing two parts this first impressions for this season because there's way too many shows to just cram into one episode. And for the longest time, I don't know why I never split them up, but <laughs> I think we have like 32 plus shows this season that we're going to be covering. So it's a good idea to split it up. So we're going to do 16 this episode, 16 the following episode, maybe maybe more than 16, depending on if I get into some some stragglers that I haven't really gotten a chance to check out. But for the most part, pretty much most all the shows you're going to see in the season, we're covering it. So yeah, it's a lot to go through, but it's a lot of exciting stuff as well because it's a good season. It's a really good season. Like not 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 just on top of like all the returning shows that we're super excited about, having a lot of really fantastic titles to jump into for new new coming shows. So yeah, I guess without further ado, I guess we should jump right into it. Again, as usual, at TakuSpray.com, you can go there for all of our links to our social media, Discord, ways that you can support us through Patreon and everything. We definitely appreciate everybody that supports us. It means a lot to us, uh, helping us keep this going. But um, yeah, without further ado, let's jump into it. We have our first one is RPG Real Estate, or RPG Fudo-san. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes, done by Studio Dogokobo. Sources of manga, genres are comedy and fantasy. The director working on this is Tomo Aki Koshida, who did uh, Ikebukuro Westgate Park, Helpful Fox Senko Song, and the series composition by Yoshiko Nakamura, who did Sleepy Princess, Tada Never Falls in Love, Month of Girls, Nozaki Kun, and Sasaki and Miyano. So, good stuff there. But yeah, RPG Real Estate. This one basically <laughs> takes place in sort of a fantasy setting, very RPG esque, you know, the old JRPGs and fantasy settings and everything. Usually you have, you know, you go to your inn whenever you're an adventurer and you, you know, rest there. Well, this is essentially following the people that handle real estate and selling houses and stuff to people that are within that world. So, including the mobs, because we find out that the Demon Lord has been defeated here recently. 
and there's peace upon the world. Everybody's happy. They even talk about how the Demon Lord's Castle is actually a, uh, an amusement park now. <laughs> so, And they're actually selling real estate within the Demon Lord's property. So it basically follows this one girl, Kotone, who just moved to this big city. And she goes to the real estate place. They kind of hook her up with a nice place to stay. And then she goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm also working here. So uh, might might be good to let you know that. But, yes, I do, I'm do. i going to be starting working here. So it basically follows Katoni as she meets the other three girls that work at this real estate place. And she learns about the trade of real estate. Essentially finding what best fits people. You have adventures coming in. You have monsters coming in. And they're all looking for a place to stay. It's figuring out what works for them, finding a place for them that they will actually fit them. And the goofy RPG tropes in there. Like, they obviously very quickly jump into the typical joke about if you live in this one district, you have to be okay about adventurers coming in and, you know, scouring through your drawers and your pots to steal stuff to use on their adventure. That kind of jokes that are obviously in there. So, your thoughts on cute girls doing real estate? I, you should not be uh, oh, yeah, playing this up as an RPG that RPG stands it's literally for rent, in the, plan, oh, I got you. guide. That's so right. don't don't even no. Right, um, right. Stupid joke. Aside. Not a not a joke. <laughs> not intentional whatsoever. Now, um, stupid joke aside, um, I I do really enjoy this. Uh, Was I, it rent plant uh rent plant guide? I think it's rent plan guide. Yeah. I do. Uh, when when me and Andrew first talked about this, the the uh, Andrew. Had piped up and mentioned this is is this an, the order of rabbit and i i when after watching a few episodes it absolutely gives off that vibe all all said and done um i absolutely love these girls they are um absolutely sweet and they just do what they do best and that's just running around talking about these these um these estates and and what have you when it comes down to it, it it's hard is, it's hard to not see rakita as what was her name risa yeah risa <laughs> she's like literally it's a spinning image she's got that tomboyish attitude she's the oldest of all of them everybody uh, yeah. mistakes her for just her. replace guns <laughs> with swords yeah <laughs> it's an absolutely charming show for uh for me and i i do really enjoy enjoy every episode uh that comes out it is more of a low-key it doesn't um it doesn't have this really super high energy the the jokes are not like absurdly um uh, uh hilarious i i i just enjoy its charming fun nature yeah i think that we have the same problem with this show as we did with um like the dragon go house hunting thing where it's like you know only so long before the rpg jokes kind of are been done and do we really need to do them again with just a different coat of paint i mean typically yes i'm always going to be looking for what something provides uniquely that everything else and i feel this is just kind of if you're looking for a cutesy laid-back show because that's really all I can see that it's kind of adding to the mix. And yes, technically a little bit of etchy mix in there as well. I mean, it's not super heavy, but you're going to have maybe one segment in each episode that's going to be, you know, girls in their underwear or girl trying to fit on a dress that's way too small for her. That kind of stuff they're going to be throwing in there that obviously is going to, to, to be a little bit different than typically with your cute girls doing cute things. I mean, they're technically adults. They're working and everything. But I I did like the chemistry, though. I think, I think the one thing that this does give that i think is a plus is that it's got really good chemistry katone is obviously she's a she tried to be a a, a, a caster and and go out and adventure but then she realized I'm, it's probably not best for me to be a freelancer so i want a stable government job so i decided to do this 
Uh, Rufodia is like super selfish. Like she, all she wanted to do was become a priest and then get in with the royalty and be an advisor for them. And so any chance that she can like get in with somebody that's super popular or has power, she's going to do it. Like she's just willing to ditch her own group just as long as she can get in good with somebody. Uh, like I said earlier, Rakita is kind of like the, yes, very tomboyish. She, she's from a bloodline of adventurers and since, Obviously, the demon, demon lord is defeated. There's really no necessity for a warrior, so that's kind of her out. And then Fob being kind of the very young, immature, wants to have fun and just jumps around Genki-like is is what kind of her shtick is. Plus, she's the, the only demi-human of the team, so she's able to actually speak to the demi-humans because uh, they have their own language. So it's it's fine. I didn't I didn't really find anything particularly amazing about the show. It's just very laid back, goofy, have fun type of show. So I think if that's what you're kind of looking for, it's it's definitely up your alley. I will say definitely Dogokobo's <laughs> B team. <laughs> I I kind of joked about it. It's kind of like I, I'm I'm in my own head. I have this mental image of there being like two teams within Dogokobo. One is the one that's doing Shikimari is not just a cutie. The B team is doing this show. Um, probably the same team that did uh, rom-com where a childhood friend won't lose that team. The one that's like, it's rough around the edge with the show itself. I mean, for the most part, it's fine, but it, it, it does have a lot of shots that are just kind of very subpar. And that's always a, a sticking point for me when it comes to cute, cute girls doing cute things. Because if you don't have the cute girls part of the cute girls doing cute things... It's a problem, and I <laughs> joked a lot. I I seen the Twitter post before I ended up watching the show, and it was obviously pointing out like Rakita is like the budget version of, like I said, Rise. I think her name is from Is the Order Rabbit, where it's like for some reason in some shots she looks fine, but in other shots it looks like her eyeballs are running away from her nose. <laughs> like suddenly I know where her eyes just start to. To just root towards the side of her head, and it's like, wait, wait what? Where's her head? Where's her eyeballs go? Okay, they're back to normal. Good. Okay, they're running away again. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's a sticking point for me. It doesn't. It didn't ruin the show, but it it was kind of like, eh, that sucks. I mean, it, like I said, it was the same thing with uh, rom com where childhood friend went lose. I I see Dogokobo, and I always connect like really good shows with them, like really visually good looking shows. Very high quality even though they are cutesy shows or whatever and childhood friend won't lose and this one's like the the few cases where it's like eh, i guess they're outsourcing or something like that and because like i said some shots are fine some shots are like did somebody else do this because <laughs> it just doesn't look good so that that is a sticking point for me but for the most part it's it's a fine looking show but um yeah that's uh rpg real estate check that out if that's interesting to you we'll see we'll see how it goes Trapped in a dating sim, the world of Atome games is tough for mobs, or Atome ga uh, sekai wa mob ni kibishi sekai desu. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll Warning for 12 episodes. The studio is ENGI. Sources of light novels, genres are action, adventure, pretty much every freaking genre. <laughs> every genre, even including mecha. Uh, the director is Kazuya Miura, who did Uzaki-chan and Full Dive. The director, or the series composition by Kenta Ihara, who did Miroko-chan, Sugimichi, Moonlit Fantasy, and Tanya the Evil. So, this one follows a guy who essentially is forced to play an Atome game by his sister. Uh, she's going somewhere and tells him to essentially play through this Atome game, otherwise she's going to expose him 
and he really hates the game. He plays through it. Uh, it's all to basically get the like ending screen for his sister. And after he finally finishes it and he's super happy about it, he goes to go to the store real quick and then he falls down some stairs and wakes up inside of the body of a kid inside of this other world. Now, the thing is, is that it kind of it reveals at some point that he finally regains his memories. Like he, he has to like he apparently was born there, but then it takes it takes like 10 years before his memories of his previous life finally hit him. And he's apparently in this world that is a it's a matriarchy. And it's it's all like different island floating islands in this world, and he's a part of this one family that is being taken care of by this one very rich um, female, and apparently she had married uh, his father just to give him some place to stay, and so she has control over him. At some point, he's going to be married off, and he decides, you know, look, since I know what this game is, I know where these super OP <laughs> spacecrafts is, I'm going to go find the spacecraft, get myself some riches, that way I can have control of my life. It's kind of hinting at this idea that he just he knows the world itself. He know, he he acknowledges that he's in the world of this Atomi game that he played, but he's trying to like he re- he acknowledges the fact that he's a mob. Like he's not a named character or anything like that. So he just wants to have his own life and just be a. For those who don't know, a mob is basically a, a non significant character in a sh- in a story. So if you have a basically a side character, a random merchant or something that, that's trying to move something off to the side, that's a mob, basically. And so he just wants to be that. Like, enjoy my life, stay away from all the crazy stuff that's happening in this war, the wars and everything, and yes, this academy where people get married at. But eventually he's kind of forced to have to go there in order to avoid being married off and everything, and that's when things get a little weird, because we start to see that there's certain there's a one specific character that's unique to this world that he's in that's kind of moving the chess pieces around where they shouldn't be moved around. And he's just trying to, again, just get married within this academy so that he can have his own life somewhere else away from all this drama and everything that's involved in the world. So, your thoughts? I wasn't sure. I, I, I did like the concept of this this um, this show. When, when we... I, I want to say that when we were um, going through the... Um, uh, the preview that this this is definitely one of those that was kind of very interesting in concept. When I first started out, I I I lost a lot of the the steam. However, there was some fascinating things that were popping up on the, this this show, and as the episodes started to roll out, a lot of those kind of more fascinating little twists did actually pull off. And one of the funny things about this is that. I when when I was talking in Discord about it, the 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 goofiest thing about this is I'm I'm literally watching this and going, I wonder if this could be the the thing that happens. And sure enough, that's the thing that happens. So go back and a couple of ep- uh, another episode passes. I, I may point out, hey, I wonder if this is going to happen. And sure enough, that happens. And then Andrew pops up and he says. I wonder if this is going to happen. I'm like, that's a cool, cool idea. I, I wonder if they're going to pull that off. And sure enough, Andrew uh, predicted this this answer. So I, I I get this weird feeling of I wonder if it's really a good thing that the effectively the best cards that this this story is is throwing out are are really e- so easily predicted. And and so- I, I'm going to stop you right there. I, I think it's not so much the idea that you can you can see signs and be able to predict it because I think that's rewarding. I think the thing that this show so far in that in that respect is doing wrong is that the reveals are so 
blah. Like, yeah, I, that, like, that's true. I was joking with Chris at some point. I'm like, I kind of see this character as being this. And and I, I don't know. It's 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 very soft spoilers here. It's like within the the what, the third the second episode or something like that. It, it's like this aspect of having this one character that's very unique and not because this again this is in the academy. The academy is the setting for this Atome game, and there is obviously the main girl who is supposed to come into the academy and swoon over all these princes and and barons and all that kind of stuff and 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 gain relationships. That's the whole idea of the Atome game. And then there's like suddenly out of nowhere, there's this new person. He doesn't recognize her, and she's playing the role of what that girl's supposed to be doing. So she's stealing all these segments that she's supposed to be playing out. So you're like, well, obviously this this person is playing off, is replacing her, and so that doesn't seem right. And so yes, obviously you start to go, well, I wonder if this character is, you know, something special. And when I start playing out the scenario in my head of like, okay, well, I can see them being this. It's like suddenly I know where scene change and she's in her dialogue explaining what it is. And it's like, well, that was anticlimactic. Like there was no big reveal. It's just, it suddenly says, yes, this <laughs> it's like, it, okay, sure. I get, cause that's why I texted Chris. I'm like, I was, I was actually having fun trying to figure out who this character is. And then suddenly I'm like, scene change. She's in her dialogue and it's revealed. And it's like, okay, well that was, that, that wasn't that, it wasn't surprising. It wasn't creative in how it kind of reveals it. It just does it. So I don't know if maybe in the light novel, it's like maybe each chapter it's jumping around between the two characters or something like that. But it was a little bit of letdown. I think that was the the sticking point for me. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those funny things. of, And that's that's really where I, I generally fall is I, I've, I've generally really enjoyed myself watching this show because they – I I do like the direction that they're going. They're actually exploring some ideas that I don't think have been um I, I can't think of another show that's really truly um explored the ideas. I like the idea of effectively uh, and like Andrew said, soft spoilers, um two isekais in the same world effectively going against each other. And I do really kind of like that idea of of playing this out in 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 a different setting and in a different way so i i i have very much warmed up to this show but at the same time i hold a lot of hesitancy because this is not it's not a a really blow your mind idea it's it's not um it's not pursuing them in such a way that i i sit here and go um fan theory number forty five thousand two hundred and twenty two it's it's just what it is and, and literally we're um basically guessing the ideas and then two scenes later it's actually giving out that information so it's like you, you don't have time to actually explore and make these these theories up to kind of um make it a fun show does that make sense it doesn't hold its cards long enough or yeah. something i i mean it it is good because i I think it is kind of playing into that whole trope where the, the main protagonist doesn't want to get involved, but then he keeps getting involved. It, it is kind of playing that. It seems like a very, it seems like an up and coming uh, kind of trend with a lot of these isekais is the, I don't want to get involved, but I get involved kind of things. He, he, like I said, he does want to be a mob, but at the same time, he does know that he needs to get a wife at this academy or he's kind of in trouble. So, and this is apparently the place where everybody finds <laughs> relationships and get engaged is at this academy which makes no sense but it makes sense the atome game obviously i guess but 
but again, it, 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 it's got an interesting concept where he just doesn't want to be involved. I think the first episode was blah. Like, the first episode, Absolutely. I was, Hated like, not feeling episode. it. Like, it was just very, I'm in this world and wanted to get everything and I'm super, you know, rich and everything like that. It wasn't really doing anything interesting. It wasn't really until, yes, we started speculating on who this random addition is and that's when it started, kind of started getting interesting. Now, I will admit with the, I, don't, I think I got to the fourth episode. <laughs> like that fourth episode was very blah. Like it was just here's the next person that he has to fight, and oh by the way, he beats the crap out of him. Okay, next fight introduction. Oh, he beat the crap out of him. It was it was very very boring, kind of overpowered main character type of stuff. And so it's very it's so far right now. I'm really sitting on fifty percent of the episodes are good, and fifty percent of them are just blah. And I, I think it's got an interesting concept. I'm really curious of how it's going to play out this quote unquote competition that these two characters are in. But and it's it's very unique. I, I do acknowledge, acknowledge that it's very unique in how it's playing things out. I I actually do like concepts around certain characters that are really being pushed out of the picture, and and, and how it's actually trying to take certain characters that were technically villains in the game. And turning them into good guys. Like, Angelica technically is the bad guy in the game. She is the snobby uh, Baroness girl that is supposed to marry the prince. And she's the one that is the main antagonist to Olivia, who is the main main character that you're playing as in the Otome game. And to finally, like, have some point in which they're like, no, Angelica actually is crushed. Like, <laughs> this is somebody that was spending her entire life devoting herself to this prince and then suddenly at this academy the prince is being pulled away from her so it's obvious why she's as mean as she is is because she her entire life is being flipped upside down at that point so it, it if in a sense if you were to really look into it with the atome game olivia is stealing angelica's life away from her and so it's kind of getting into that it's not heavy stuff but it's still technically an interesting thing to take the villainous of the show and make her like one of the main yeah, it's technically one of the main Hera uh, members, but one of the main love interests of the character in this in this series itself. So it's doing unique stuff. It it never really has good reveals, I guess is the best way to put it. It does cool stuff. It does unique stuff. It doesn't do good reveals, but it has an interesting concept there. Like, I think my overall enjoyment of this show will be strictly around how they play out the, I guess the ultimate reveals or the ultimate climax of the battle between Leon and the other quote-unquote Isekai, if it is Isekai. So. She pretty much already confirmed it. it she, I mean, yeah, but not really where, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The, who is is a, still a, technically yeah. a question. But I have my speculations she, on who it is, but. Right. Yeah. I know that she's already saying, like, this world's great and I'm going to gain everything and stuff like that but yeah and obviously she knows dialogue so <laughs> she 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 fails miserably at reading those dialogues but um yeah who she is a big question mark which again i have my speculations but yeah trapped in a dating sim the world of atomic games is tough for mobs check that out if that's interesting to you fanfare of adolescence or gunjo no fanfare this one's streaming on crunchyroll warning for 13 episodes it's an original being done by leduce the genres are sports. The director is... I would probably put drama in there as well. <laughs> Super heavy drama. Director is Makoto Kato, who did Bloom Into You, Lord L. Melway, 
uh, Beautiful Bones. The script by Naohiro Fukushima, who did a couple of episodes of Babylon, Eden of the East, Killing Slimes for 300 Years. And yes, the music by Sawano Hiroyuki, which is the only reason Andrew watched this show. (laughs) Only reason Andrew watched this show. Um, The music's great. Go watch it. Bye. Uh, Dense Instant Series, our next one. (laughs) No, I mean, honestly... Fanfare of Adolescence basically follows you, who is a idol. No, he's not an idol. He's part of a... I think he's technically an, an idol, in a sense, in Japan. Um, part of this one group, um, Dr. Something. I forget what it was called. Dr. Something. But he's part of this group. And one day, he just announces, I'm done. I'm quitting the industry. I have to pursue my my ambitions of being a jockey. I, I they they kept hitting at this idea of like, well, why would you do that? What what drove you to do that? And they keep cutting it off to to not reveal what was the big inspiration to become a jockey. It wasn't a race or anything. He just he wants to, he wants that sparkle sparkle boom thing. It's that kind of stuff, you know. Whenever you watch a show where they want there's another dance show dance dance, thing. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the dance 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 type of syndrome where I just want to do this because sparkle kira kira boom. I, I, no explanation for it. It's just it's. It's that it factor that just gets him. But um, he likes the goosebumps. Yes, the the goosebumps basically. Uh, ASMR horse ASMR, I guess. I don't know. It makes his back of his neck tingle. <laughs> anyway, where are you going? <laughs> Come back, Andrew. Come back. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, he he quits, and uh, obviously that's that's a tragedy to everybody that's a big fan of his. But he he's gonna be a jockey. He's gonna. He's going to destroy everybody's careers around him. He's going to cause huge, massive loss in revenue for this big company, all because Sparkle Kira Kira, I want to be a jockey and ride a horse. And it, that was a. F- <laughs> I'm already starting to get my angry points of this show. Stop, Andrew. So he goes to this academy that trains jockeys, uh, along with several other, including, oh my gosh, a female jockey, which is a shock to everybody, and oh my gosh, a prodigy, and oh my gosh, this one guy that's actually won several competitions as a jockey, but for some reason he's trained to become a jockey. <laughs> Stop, it. <laughs> he joins several other kids who are all at this academy for jockeys, um, and they start training. Uh, quickly, they add another person to the mix, which is a... Uh, basically a foreigner that comes in and is super hot-headed and just belittles everybody every two seconds, and they eventually realize that he's got his own issues. And, um, yes, want to hear Yuka music plays in the background as they try to resolve issues. Um, This show looks good. Visually I, visually, I think it looks good, which I think... Um, I know Ledus has done, like, off and on good stuff and, and not so good stuff. Um, and it's obviously original, so they're going to do a lot of good effort into it. Yeah, the 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 sticking point is, of course, the uh, CGI horses. Uh, they they do a pretty good job of dancing around it. It's not too obvious all the time, but yeah, there's a lot of points where it's like, Ugh, that, yeah, that's CGI. But for the most part, it it looks good. So visually, it's got it. And yes, like I mentioned, Swano Hiroyuki music's fantastic. I will say, in response to that as well, though or in addition to that as well, though, is they don't know how to use his music. Like, <laughs> his music does not fit so many scenes of this show. Like, there's just these, like, very subtle drama beats, and it's just got Suwano in the background, and it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, it just doesn't fit the scene. Just have some... Just do ambience. Just do subtle cues or, or a subtle piano in the background or something. You don't have to have Suwano drops in the middle of a very casual scene. It's just, it doesn't... 
there was so many scenes where I'm like, just I, I love Solano, but please don't use his music right here. It just doesn't fit. I, I think my sticking point for the show so far is it. It's very boys drama. This is a very boys drama type of thing. This is very juvenile drama storytelling here. This is very much so kids that are still maturing a little bit. They're they're in their teens or whatever, but they're still maturing. They're, they still have a lot of uh, immaturity within themselves they're facing. And so it leads to a lot of really, yes, kind of dumb arguments between them that they're having. Like I said, they quickly add a foreigner to it who's just going around belittling everybody and that's supposed to be the story is him belittling people and people reacting to him belittling them until they eventually realize that he has his own insecurities that he needs to address it's very angsty teens that was the word i was looking for earlier it's very angsty teens kind of stuff now the problem that i have with all that is that it wasn't very enjoyable for me i just don't really want to see these very juvenile spouts and i'm sure they could probably get in some good stuff going later on but just based on the first kind of big trial that they faced and overcame with the first three or so episodes, I wasn't impressed. Like, it, it didn't feel like it made sense to me. Uh, it was very it was very weird. Like, it's that whole idea of this guy's so full of himself and then somebody comes out of nowhere and says, well, you've actually been running away from things all the time too, haven't you? And then, like, so I don't hear you, music plays and everything's resolved. It's like, it's very, ugh, I don't know. But the thing that really is bugging me throughout the series so far that I – it's probably the reason why I won't continue is there's so many points where it does – it just does stupid stuff. Like these kids are doing stupid stuff. Um, like I, I keep joking with a lot of people. Like one of the first scenes is this this thing – this racket happens and these two horses run out of their, their – run off and start stampeding around. And so the kids are trying to capture the two horses. Now granted – they could have just laid the horses be and let the handlers actually get them because it wasn't their job to get the horses. They take it upon themselves to go get the horses. The first one is stampeding and this boy literally jumps out in front of it with his arms stretched out like he's going to stop a horse that's stampeding. It was just like, please don't do that when a horse is stampeding. They're not going to stop. They have no need to stop. They will plow right through you. Um, and then later on, they get on one of the horses and go get the second horse. And there's these kids that are watching the second horse crouched down, huddled up, like four of them, all huddled up, crouched down. And they come in with the other horse and literally jump it over the kids. I'm like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? You will, a horse can kill you really easily. And it's like, it's, it's stuff like that where I was like, I was getting so frustrated watching this show. Like, I'm not a big horse fan. True. But uh, it's like, is this not common knowledge? True moments of Andrew uh, wisdom. A horse will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Do, 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 do. I, I don't know. It's just, it was, there was a lot of stuff like that that really kind of bugged me. But I mean, it's angsty teens with horses I, I, and, and, and really, really excellent music, I guess, in the background. It, it looks visually solid. It's just, I did I think putting aside my little knickknacks about or knickknacks, my nitpicking about goofiness about what they do with the horses, I, I think it's just really I don't know. I don't think the story is really there quite yet. And I, I think the the problem that I really have is I don't really I can't I haven't gravitated to a solid story beat that I'm interested in. This guy literally ditching um his entire career and ditching other people to go join to be a jockey when he doesn't even care about racing is kind of one of the, it's like 
if all you care about is really getting on the horses, then just do it as a hobby. You go ride a horse every now and then. You don't have to quit your entire career and become a racer that you don't even care about becoming just to do this. Like I, I didn't, I didn't fault people for criticizing him for him not really being invested when he's not necessarily invested. And I think they'll probably have a good story beat based on that. Like that realization that you may really do, you may actually like the competitive nature of being a racing jockey, but I guess technically it doesn't have to be racing specifically as a jockey, but it's just, it's not, it's not there for me. So, and it's got a lot of English in the show. I'm like, cause there's so much English. <laughs> it was so, it's so great. Kind of a thing this, this season, honestly. <laughs> one, one of the instructors is like super English. He just loves doing the English uh, stuff in there. Like, I don't know where he's like, this is going to be great. And then starts talking Japanese. And then at some point when they had this foreign exchange student come in, the foreign exchange student keeps correcting him. Like he's the, the teach, the instructor is like teaching them something. And then he'll throw in English every now and then. And then this this foreign exchange student will correct him how to pronounce it. And he's wrong. <laughs> like the way they, the correction was completely English. And it's like, yeah, I guess it's better. I don't know. <laughs> I guess yes, you, you did technically do it better. Uh, it was it was great. Um, what else is doing English this season? I don't know. It's, it's just all over the place. Yeah, this one has a ton shows. of it. This yeah. one has a ton of it. They just I don't know. They love I mean, dropping this, it. This show very well may be the one that's doing it the most, but it just seems like it's all over the place in this season. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you do acknowledge the idea that yeah, the Japanese people probably don't get that's completely butchered. But sure, it sounds cool, right? <laughs> English is cool. Anyways, that's that's fanfare of adolescence. It's it's all right. It, it, jokes aside, it's it's an all right show, and I'm sure it'll probably do something interesting. Probably that one, Dance Dance Dancer. Uh, I want to say real do, does it quite a bit. Moving on, we have Dance Dance Dancer. Now, this one is streaming on Crunchyroll, running for eleven episodes. It feels, it, it, I guess technically we're like almost halfway through it already. <laughs> Studio is Mappa. Source is a manga. Genres are drama, romance, slice of life, sports. Series composition by Yoshimi Narita, who is in uh, Senpai is Annoying and I Start You. Uh, but yeah, this one follows Junpei, and it kind of gives us a little insight into Junpei's past. You you find out that his father was like a, a stunt instructor, uh, was really into like kung fu stuff and all that kind of stuff. And so he always looked up his father as being like this really strong guy. And at some point, unfortunately, his father passes away. It was like starting to get into this idea that he wanted to get into ballet like his sister was getting into because he's seen this male ballet dancer who did like this incredible performance on stage one time after his sister did her performance. And so he was going to get into ballet and his father was actually supporting him. He's like, you know, do you really want to do this? But OK, yeah, sure. If that's what you want to do, do it. And that's, again, unfortunately, when his father passed away, his uncle kind of instills upon him that, you know, look, you need to take care of your family now. You're the man of the house now. And that's when he kind of realizes, you know, look, ballet, I don't think I can become a man. So I need to, you know, get a Jeet Kwon Do and stuff because obviously that's more manly. And so I need to be the man of the house. So he ditches his his want to become a ballet dancer at that point. So jump forward. Junpei is kind of hanging out with his friends and he does this really crazy jump spin kick thing, which is a ballet move. And his this one girl in his class actually acknowledges what it is. And she pulls him to the side at some point and says, here, come with me. You need to come with me over to my mother's studio 
she's teaching uh, ballet and you should become a ballet dancer. And he's the entire time thinking, man, this girl likes me. I mean, she's she's trying to pull me off to the side. She she came to my house. She, she obviously is into me. And then that's what he realizes that it's just really because she wants him to become a part of her ballet routine at this place with his that her mother runs. So it kind of turns into this whole thing where Junpei, again, doesn't really want to. He knows that there's, again, before like you mentioned earlier, a sparkle about being a ballet dancer. Like, he, there's something that he experienced watching this guy do ballet, and he wants to experience it. Like, this sparkle, sparkle, boom, boom, that he feels when he does a move or does something really incredible in ballet. There's something there that he feels that he really enjoys. But at the same time, he's struggling with himself because he knows that, oh my gosh, boys don't do ballet. He's going to look dumb. He's not going to look like a man. Again, it's he's always felt like he has to be the man of his own house. And that kind of transferred into his friends and everything, that he has to be a man. He's a fighter and all that kind of stuff. But so it kind of keeps going back and forth. Does Miyako like me? Um, I kind of like the sparkle, sparkle feeling of doing ballet. But over here, my friends, my family are all expecting me to be a dude, a guy, a muscle man kind of thing. And so that's the struggle that he kind of faces. His instructor, she kind of tries to keep teaching him stuff. But again, he keeps running away. They keep expecting him to do uh, performances at the upcoming events and stuff, but he keeps saying that he's not going to do it. Um, all that all kind of leads to Junpei meeting Ryo. And Ryo is somebody that lives at this same, um, the same house as Miyako and, and her mother. And this is somebody that apparently in the past gave up everything to be a ballet dancer. And he's always been aspiring for it. And Miyako is kind of trying to help Ryo out. She really likes him, wants to take care of him, and she was hoping that Junpei will kind of be his friend to help him bring him out of the the darkness that he's kind of in. Eventually, Ryo ends up going back to school. He's always been a shut-in, and that turned into a lot of bullying stuff that Junpei kind of stands off to the side and allows because it was his friends that are bullying him, and that kind of eventually leads to Junpei finally revealing to his friends that he wants to do ballet. So, yeah. Did you get on this one? Yes. Yeah? What do you think? What do you think? What's your thoughts? I'm I, I'm actually really enjoying this. It's it's an odd um, mix of um, like like Andrew was talking about with Junpei and his um, he, Junpei is a perfect example of kind of the um, the gist of this show for for a vast majority of it so far. Uh, he's he's kind of got this um, this mixed up nature in inside of him where he. He believes what he, – he has this idea of what it is to be a man, and this is conflicting with what he is internally. He wants to be one thing, yet at the same time, he has to put on this facade of, I have to be this. Um, this this pretty much translate to a lot, uh, translates to a lot of the shows that seems to be – or. A lot of the story beats that seems to be the main gist of what's going on here. Um, I, I really do want to see where they take uh, Ryo um, because he is an interesting mix too. As as much as I despised his introduction for because it just didn't work for me in any way, shape, or form. I did like. When they finally revealed his kind of what, back, which one where he sticks his hand outside the window like a decrepit, like <laughs> she like keeps bringing him the keys and it shows like this door open and this decrepit hand comes out to grab the keys like yeah, give me the keys so I can dance later. 
It was like, what is it? Like smallpox or something? <laughs> or he's got the plague? Sorry, anyways. Um, his his ultimate uh, reveal at the end of the, the, the last episode was, did do kind of well. Um, I did enjoy it as far as a, I for me not much caring for the how Junpei dealt with it it, it fit in with his storyline he is this character who is trying to juggle between what he wants to do and how he feels that he has to basically he feels like he needs to be a, a cog in the machine um which i don't i think that's even that is downplaying i think his, it's really more of an aspect of you ha- like 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 uh, the instructor says you have to sacrifice everything you will sacrifice everything and ryo is pretty much what Junpei feels like he's going to end up being. Right. Like, I have to get rid of my friends. Uh, my family are going to be ditching me. I'm going to get rid of everything just to be a ballet dancer. Like, I feel the necessity that I'm going to lose everything if I do this. Right. And, and, and at the same time, the, 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 the question of the last episode was, um, what, is, what does it mean to be a man or something like that? And I, I think that was a, a, an excellent example. It was him, him fighting with his... I, I need to be a man in nature versus um, what I want to do, which is looked at by everybody and their mom as a girl sport. And I think that that is one of those things that that does translate well when he finally stands up and 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 says, no, you guys need to leave um, Rio uh, alone because did not. I want to correct that you did not tell them to leave him alone. Well, no, I, I <laughs> he literally just made himself the focal point. Right, I, that's fine. Look at me, kind of thing. Um, well, it's going to get to my point where I really respect that. Honestly, yeah, I, to me that I think was him. Un- finally, it, while he probably it probably won't connect in his head, that is what it means to be a man. Is look. Um, this, this is not okay. Uh, if you're going to do that, you do it to me instead. It, basically making, putting himself between his friends and Ruo instead of them going directly at Ruo and just, you know, staying off to the side and well, basically being a part of the problem by not, not in, inserting yourself in the problem. So I, I, I like that. And I think that there's, there's a lot of really cool things that are going through this entire show. Yeah, I, I think the I I have a lot of. It was very hard to watch Junpei stand by during that whole segment. Um, it was because it was literally like a full episode of just nothing but uh, mostly all bullying kind of stuff, and it was really hard to watch. But at the same time, in the end, I kind of respect that it wasn't as simple as Junpei coming in and say, "Do guys stop?" It was it was really one of those things of like he didn't feel like he wanted to inject himself. He didn't like Ryu. And so why would he make himself look bad in front of his friends by stepping in there? It, 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 like I said, it's not, it's very uncomfortable to watch. It makes you actually hate Junpei. But at the same time, it, that's kind of the aspect of bullying and schooling is you either are not involved or you are at the brunt of it or you are the one dealing it out. And he chose to be a neutral party. He chose to not get involved and yes, which is for a lot of people pretty much being involved, but at the same time, he didn't feel any sort of benefit to getting involved. And it, it's really hard to like to to allow yourself to like a character who is willing to allow something like that to happen, to become passive. But at the same time, I respect the writers willing to allow that to kind of happen with their character to possibly make it to where he can correct himself later on. He doesn't have to be the hero now. He doesn't have to always. Be, he doesn't have to in the end be the hero. It just 
this is his story, and I, I'm willing to watch to see where that goes. Yes, in the end, after these, I don't know how many episodes we watched, three or four, I don't like Junpei. <laughs> and it's not just because of that. Junpei, in yeah. his mind, is really annoying. This is a dude that all he can really think about is, gosh, this girl's into me. Man, this girl's into me. My gosh, he's touching my girl. Oh, this girl's into me. Like, he is, which is, is to a point. Let's let's be honest. To a point, he is doing this because he has this very bad uh, misunderstanding about what's happening around him. He just thinks that this girl's all over to him. And the moment that he realizes that, yeah, she might not be all over you, it, it kind of crashes for him. He re- does realize at some point that, yeah, I, I, I guess I've been misunderstanding this entire situation. And that is technically the whole opening of his situation with becoming a ballet dancer again, which is... Again, I hate it, but at the same time, it's it's his story, and I'm I'm actually enjoying the overall story. His instructor's fantastic. Miyako is fantastic. Ryo, he's he's too quiet for me right now. Before me, for me to really judge him, but he does seem like just kind of the he's way too into it kind of character. Which I'm I'm assuming eventually it's going to pull him out of that. But again, he's technically what Junpei was afraid of becoming. The, I give up everything just for this, and if they'll do something cool with that. I'll have to wait and see, but... I have to agree. Junpei is not not my favorite of protagonists, but he's but that's his that's him growing into himself. I think that's probably what I'm going to hang my hat on is the idea that he's going to grow out of it, but I then then you lose out on a whole bunch of drama, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel besides like the whole <laughs> pretty torturous to watch um bullying segments, I I think overall it's been a really fantastic um, show for the, how it's handling the drama. Nothing feels too heavy so far. Um, yes, a lot of it relies on the sparkle, sparkle booms that have no real explanation. But it's hard to it's hard to explain exp- uh, uh, inspiration sometimes. I mean, that was the whole point that I had with Blue Period was how do you draw inspiration? How do you how do you portray an idea of somebody having inspiration? It is kind of an inner thing that is is hard to really put on the paper or explain. And I think that's what it's kind of technically trying to do with Junpei. And like I said earlier, with Fanfare of Adolescence, that's what it's trying to do with that. Um, but I'm really enjoying the show. Like, I'm surprisingly enjoying the show. I kind of expected that I was probably going to enjoy it. Um, my, I, I hope that it comes to a really solid story beat before it concludes because it's only going for 11 episodes. So that's not much time to work with. MAPPA is doing an excellent job. I, I think visually it looks excellent. I don't. <laughs> I still don't care for the character designs. I don't think I'll ever care for the character designs. A lot of a lot of character designs for shows eventually grow on me. I eventually, when I'm watching the show, I I stop paying attention to it. But yeah, the, this is one of those shows where I, I always when I'm <laughs> when I'm watching the show, I always think of that one uh, picture that was going around for the longest time, where it showed like those old like late 90s early 2000s anime characters like clonod and stuff like that where their eyes are gigantic and then it shows like a, a side shot of their skull and the eyeballs taking literally the entire size of their skull because of how big the obviously the eye is round <laughs> and so it's like showing this whole thing where the the eyeballs taking the entirety of their skull to fit in there that that's kind of the, the thing that happens to me when i watch this show is like that if you were to like exo X-ray the the skull, you would probably see the eyeball taking up the entirety of his of his head. But they have some big eyes, like some really big eyes. The necks aren't bothering me so far. It's just the eyes, and uh, yeah, oof. I don't. 
But it looks really good. Like, a lot of the dancing and stuff like that is fully animated. There is some parts where you can slightly see CGI from a distance. Um, but so far, MAPPA is doing an excellent job of really just blending in some use of CGI. But for the most part, it's just really beautifully animated. A lot of the dance routines and stuff are just so beautiful. So I'm looking forward to more of this series. I am really enjoying it. The instructor's fantastic. The instructors are always so fantastic. Why are the instructors always so cool? <laughs> yeah, the, the the lady, she's awesome so far. I, I I love the first time she went up there and starts kind of hitting his knees and stuff and straightening him up. Just like karate chopping him to, to straighten him out. Um, but yeah, she's, she's been, she's been excellent so far. Miyako's great too. I, I really do want to learn. I, I was kind of joking with Chris. I'm like, wow, that didn't take long before they started getting into a real love triangle with this series. But again, a lot of that was to do with Junpei's, uh, misunderstanding of, of what's going on, which is question mark. Is it, is it a misunderstanding? We still don't quite know, but it, it's doing, it's doing really good with drama. It's doing good with character setup. A lot of the character uh, motivations are really well laid out. Um, it's just doing everything really well. It's not, it's not doing anything so far where I'm like, holy crap, I, I really need to know what happens next. But the story so far has been really fantastic, and I've been enjoying the characters despite my. You don't have to always agree with the main character to like him. I think he's, I think he's well written. I think he's well written. I just don't like him. So. That's something where there might be a payoff. Like usually with a character that you don't like, you you will hopefully at some point have a payoff where you're like, he's doing good now. Like it is it is literally like a the the kid that you're just like, man, can you stop? Like like that kid that you're just saying, dude, just hang out with everybody, chill, you know, stop doing what you're doing. It's all good. And then eventually they finally kind of it clicks for them and they they change their ways and you're like, my boy, you're doing better, man. And that's what I'm kind of expecting with Junpei. I don't agree with him now, but I'll probably, hopefully, eventually be like, yeah, cool, dude. You've changed. So, anyways. That's Dance 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 Hopefully that uh, sounds just, interesting just need, Definitely uh, recommend it. Just need Oba-san to, to manipulate him a little bit more and he'll grow up. <laughs> Pretty much. Just she, she, I, I agree. She, she is great. I, I just love the way she does that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like when Jupe ran off on his own in order to actually perform the the. It was weird because I'm 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 curious of how they're gonna play that out because one of the, the weird things that they had at some point, obviously it's not all ballet. Not all ballet gets Junpei. He watched his sister perform. He was bored. He's falling asleep. It was that one guy that got on stage and did some crazy stuff. That he was super into. And then the same thing happened when he went out with Miyako to a performance. He was bored. He was falling asleep the entire time. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I, I think they're. I wanted to say that they were they were hinting at the idea of a duet, but it's not because that one guy was a solo performer. There's something about the way that certain people dance that gets them. Certain performances gets them. And I think they're going to play it off on, it seems like they're going to play it off as being a, just a typical, the typical ballet he's bored with, but it's these unique performances that some people do that really captures him. Their own style that probably breaks outside of the norm that gets him. I was kind of hoping that they would they would have zeroed in on it the second time he experienced it to really kind of point out this is a thing that it's getting him. This unique thing is getting him. But yeah, it was it was cute when he ran off on his own to do it because he was like super into uh, seeing if he can pull it off. And then she ends up showing up and they do the little before and he grabs her and tries to lift her up. <laughs> so dorky. They're cute. I I, I do I do ship uh, Junpei Miyako, but we'll see what Miyako's really after eventually but yeah dance 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 here 
check that out. That's interesting to you. Just wait until she reveals that she's a Fajoshi and it throws it, Andrew for a loop. Oh, yeah. It's totally going to be that. <laughs> That's why she's trying to bring him in. <laughs> she's all in the view of being a Fajoshi. The greatest demon lord is reborn as a typical nobody or Shijo Saikyo no Daimo uh, Daimo uh, Mura Bito uh, ni Tensai Suru. This one's streaming for uh, 12 episodes, being done by, or stream, streaming on Crunchyroll. It's running for 12 episodes. I apparently dyslexic it now. Uh, done by Studio Silverlink and Blade. The source of the light novel. Jamas are action fantasy, uh, comedy probably in there as well. Uh, director is Mirai Minato, who did both three, uh, Fake Clyde Liner, Prisma Ilya, Our Last Crusade. Series composition by Michiko Yokote, who's done crap tons of stuff i won't list but um excellent series composition writer but yeah this one follows the demon lord of this particular fantasy world at some point he realizes that nobody looks at him like he's a human anymore he just looked he's basically just praised as a demon lord um and he kind of feels like he's losing his humanity humanity and nobody really sees him as human anymore he's so isolated and he just he's just craving somebody please come up here and take me out like i'm done being a demon lord I just want to, I want to be done with this. And at some point he realized, you know, I'm just going to, all the people that can take me down are gone. So my only option really is just to reincarnate myself, reborn myself. I choking out about that for reborning. Reborning myself. <laughs> I don't remember if it mentioned that he did a spell or if he just, I don't know, executed himself. I don't know what he did, but he essentially reborns in this world late into the future and it comes to realize Kind of similar to another show, Sage with the Rika's Crest, recently. <laughs> Magic has gotten really dumbed down. There's a lot of these things known as lost arcs in this new in this this new age of mankind that are technically spells that he used in his previous life. Like I said, a lot of things have been dumbed down. A lot of magics have been lost to the time. And he just wants to live his life as a typical nobody. He wants a normal family and everything. That didn't work out. It's come to find out his parents were like some old <laughs> heroes of the past. Um, obviously, like I said, he's still kind of training himself. But the the shit that kind of comes from this is now that he's young again, he's been reborn in this world. He's trying to, again, have a normal life where he's not the Demon Lord. He wants friends and he wants companions in this world. So he quickly tries to meet people, but <laughs> fails miserably because he doesn't know how to be social. He's always been a Demon Lord. So he's always expecting people to come to him. They don't. Uh, he greets people in really terrible ways, scares them off. Uh, eventually finds out that this one girl, Irina, is her father is like the mayor of this town and really good friends of the past with his parents. So he's like, man, we have a connection. We have to be friends. Like our, our parents know each other. We have to be friends. So he keeps pursuing Irina. Irina is like bullied because she's a different race and very isolated. So he feels like, you know, if anybody, the two of them would probably connect. So he keeps pushing until eventually he saves her from some monsters. And then he basically promises her that he's not going to abandon her. He's always going to be at her side. And Hera and Member Git jump forward in time. They end up going to an academy together. And in that at academy, he ends up finding out that one of the instructors there is somebody from, like, the previous Demon Lord army. Like, one of his generals. So he's really afraid of revealing to her that he is reincarnated demon lord and um end up finding this girl named guinea who's a succubus that's being mistreated by her masters and 
he eventually helps her gain her confidence so that she fights back. And I remember get. I was getting ready to say. I remember get. <laughs> I remember get um, we should just do that every now. I remember get. Uh, as I do my synopsis going forward, if I'm explaining how he gets somebody, you have to say, I remember get. Said <laughs> in the background. But, anyways. Yeah. And then eventually they want him to be like a part of this tournament or something like that. And that's pretty much where. Oh, yeah. And then they go. And then he goes on a date with his hair members. Um, yeah, that, that that happened. And then foil some evil plan for people that I'm... I don't know if they mentioned who they were after. I think they were after Irina, if I if I remember correctly. But they were after somebody, and they, they foiled their plan. So, yeah. Your thoughts I think they were playing it. off that they were after Irina, but they were actually after him. But... But he's know. a typical nobody. Why I would know, they be right? after him? Well, if... if uh, <laughs> no, they if, were supposed if, to be after the prince. Or they were... They were saying they were after the princess, and that's why they pursued them. But then when they got down there, the guys were like, no, that was all of Floyd. We weren't after the princess, and I don't think they ever said exactly who. But like I said, I was assuming it would be Irina, but it, yeah, it could have been Ard. Because they were, they were, they yeah, because it wasn't Ard, because they were, they went to nuke him. Like, they, you, we don't need you. Get out of here. But again, it could, I don't think it's Guinea, but it could be Guinea. Maybe I don't know, maybe Guinea's like some sort of bloodline to somebody special. Maybe Irina is a bloodline to somebody special. I know that Irina is technically from this person that was a hero, but Ard was too, so I don't know. Who cares? Harem members. <laughs> a harem show. Who cares? I this 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 show's kinda generally in the uh the middle tier. It's 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 why didn't I connect the visual similarities between Lydia and Irina? I knew that they were gonna bring Lydia back, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe they were after her because she looks so much like uh Lydia. The, it it I'm generally finding myself just enjoying this this show as as just a general, you know, snack time show that I can just uh, <laughs> put on. It's a what? snack time show. I can, I I can just I can just eat what? myself some oh, snacks oh, and watch the show and and just enjoy myself. I was um, like walking around and I was like, "Man, I'm just going to grab a snack. Time to watch the show." <laughs> New um, category for Chris in his like <laughs> a snack time show. I really enjoy myself watching this and snack time show. <laughs> we've got all kinds of mugs coming out of this episode in all honesty um no i i, I generally just enjoy myself watching the show there it I, is I'm... he said it <laughs> i i need a mug that says i generally enjoy myself drinking this mug <laughs> drinking this mug. <laughs> uh anyway good show y'all have fun because Andrew's just going to mess mess with me at everything I say. There you go. That's that's the show. I this is very very meh for me. Like it, it this is very bare bones. Um, re, it's the it's the new trend right now. We we had Isekai for the longest time, and now it seems like every season we get a reborn demon lord or just very overpowered fantasy guy. It's not technically Isekai, but it's kind of the same same gist. It's just kind of. I'm now in this new life, and I have everything from my previous life, and I'm super overpowered. Now, the unique thing that this one's doing, and I do appreciate this aspect, to be honest, is it does seem like it shifts its narrative regularly. It's not just kind of sticking to one thing and being stuck in it. But, yeah, like an entire episode of basically Ard being socially awkward and trying to figure out how to communicate to people. And then jump forward in time, jump to the next episode. It seems like it's forward in time more. He's he's less socially awkward. He's kind of figured things out. 
Now it's all about how do I keep my identity a secret from the instructor? And then jump to the next episode. It's all about let me go out with my harem. Should I get a harem? It, it kind of keeps trying to change the joke and what it's kind of focusing on regularly, which I do appreciate. But overall, it's not really doing anything that's special. Like, it's not doing anything unique with each of these storylines. I, I think the only thing that I did find unique that was kind of funny was him trying to keep his identity a secret from uh, this instructor. That was kind of funny. Uh, I do appreciate whenever you do have stories where it is an overpowering character, but they're kind of teaching other people how to become strong. Him teaching Guinea how to do uh, this whole script casting stuff just to make her more confident and and stronger is is uh, I do appreciate. I do like the characters. They've been a lot of fun. I, I was getting a little annoyed with Ard early on with his socially awkwardness. It was like, okay, <laughs> we need to move on from this joke. But um, yeah, it's it's just not really doing anything special. It's it's not doing anything terrible, but at the same time, it's not really doing anything special in the end. So it's it's just going to be your bare bones, reincarnated, overpowered, uh, harem get type of show. So if that's something you're interested, in, I definitely recommend it. But Anybody else, you're not really going to find anything super special here, to be honest. Yeah. That's the the greatest demon lord reborn as not a typical nobody. Don't hurt me, my healer is our next one. Our Kono healer, Mendoxai. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 12 episodes, being done by Jumondo. Sources of manga, genres are action, adventure, or adventure comedy, fantasy. There's some action in there. A uh, series composition by Fumihiko Shimo, who did Dragon Maid, bottom tier character Tomazaki, uh, Talentless Nana, uh, Bofuri, and Golden Time. So, This one follows Alvin. Alvin is an adventurer who, <laughs> quickly note, I think he only is able to kill like slimes. He's very, he's very weak, but he's trying. And he's traveling around being an adventurer, and at some point he ends up running into this bear. And he's fighting the bear, and then suddenly out of nowhere, a healer shows up. And obviously... In the world of adventurers, the world of parties and all that kind of stuff, healers must heal adventurers. And she she doesn't really heal <laughs> him not that much. And this turns into this big old argument about what a healer is, what it, what the expectations of healers are, and how weak Alvin is, honestly. Um, until eventually the bear starts trying to help them. <laughs> the bear is trying to help their argument. And talk to them about how they should respect each other and not expect that healers are going to heal all the time. And and eventually he gets one shot by the bear because he missed... Uh, well, he, he talked about her age. And he didn't realize it was a female bear. And yeah, it's... The, the shtick is that Carla is this dark elf healer question... Quote unquote, healer question mark <laughs> that that is basically accidentally put a curse on Alvin to where they can't be like a certain distance away from each other otherwise Alvin will die so he's forced to have to party with this quote unquote question mark healer and every beast in this world are good guys I don't yeah, know right <laughs> every monster in this world are good except for that mushroom screw that mushroom but like everybody's like every like the bear they run into the cyclops ogre thing the goblins they're all good like I'm, I'm thinking in this world, all the adventurers are evil bad guys. But the bear was super nice. Um, but yeah, the the joke is that the healer's terrible, and she's constantly belittling Alvin because he's a terrible adventurer. So, or he's very weak, anyways. But yeah, your thoughts? I am highly frustrated with this show. Um, I really, really wanted to love this show. I went into it um 
we, I think that when uh, when we were doing the first impressions, this was one on on my list. I'm doing the first impressions now, Chris. I'm sorry. The the preview. <laughs> I, I I put this on my list. I I really want, wanted to like this show. Um, I after the first first episode, I I wasn't really feeling any of the characters. Um, the bear was cool. The bear is kind of cool. <laughs> um, even going through most of the the ep- or the the four episodes so far, I mean, the only thing that I like about this show is generally Carla, and that's generally just because she's, she's pretty much te- the focus. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's really the a, focus. She's technically a type of character that I should like, um, but her the jokes in the show are just not hitting for me. I I you don't might- like her wink. Yeah, I think, the, the I think the wink is absolutely <laughs> goofy. Um, but when it comes down to it, the the I I will chuckle here and there. I I chuckled a couple times with the the uh, with the bear uh, episode. I chuckled a couple times with the um, with the mushroom episode. I, I it's one of those things that here and there I'll go ah that that's kind of funny. Um, and then I I it, it drones on and like like I said I. Generally, like I said, the only thing I kind of like about the show is Carla, and and it she's not enough to to go. Yeah, she's just absolute hilarity. No, she's just generally te- technically the type of character I should like. Um, so I kind of like her, but everything else about the show just isn't working for me, and and I really want it to. That's literally Carla is just the ultra like the, the the whole show or the whole thing is Carla because yeah. she's the one that's just constantly berating Alvin with insults and Alvin's just there to react to whatever she says. Mm-hmm. She says something really incredible to me and he goes, "Why would you call me that?" And then she says something about this and he says, "Are you even a healer?" And then she says a bunch of other stuff. It, it's really Alvin's really just playing off Carla. Carla is literally all the jokes of yeah. the show because she's extremely abusive in a funny way. And that's why I kind of liked when the bear was around with the first episode. I felt like the first episode was phenomenal. Like, I laughed so much with the first episode. Getting into... I knew they were going to joke about the fact that his face has always been that way. Like, I was just waiting... I'm waiting for it. Like, he's going to see a mirror and say, that's just my face. It was just... It's something that was building up. I loved the chemistry because it had the bear there to kind of throw something extra into it. The moment they left the bear, it, it keeps adding, like, some random monsters into the mix just to for them to bounce off of but for the most part it's always carla berating alvin with how terrible he is him questioning if she's even a healer and then her berating him again with how terrible he is that's the shtick and it's like after that first episode which i thought was hilarious it just never again like it was just not really there ever again every now and then they'll do something that's really funny but for the most part it's just it wasn't really like the whole I, I, I give me something to pull me out of this hole. Well, like intestines? No, where are you going to find intestines? <laughs> well, I I, I got to go find something. Uh, wh- how about a rope? Where am I going to find a rope? But where are you going to find intestines? <laughs> it's like that kind of stuff is always fun. Like they get these little quick jabs in every now and then. They're really excellent. And yes, technically first, a lot of it. Uh, every every healer's first summon is a um, a tentacle monster. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the only one that I can do without doing this long process of me writing a note and sending off this note to basically request somebody to come to me. Like, they have this whole thing where you have to, like, write a letter to somebody and send it off, and that's how you summon a monster. Um, and, yeah, the joke that every single monster is, like, really cool. Like, he's fighting like, this bear, and suddenly he's like, can you hold on a second? She's like, yeah, go. 
And he's like, go over there. They start arguing. And the bear's trying to stop him from arguing. Um, it, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of RPG fantasy world tropes um, throwing on their on their head. Obviously, like yeah, technically having all the monsters be technically uh, good people is is that aspect of throwing on its head. How technically how the adventurers in the end are mostly kind of the bad guys if you think about it. It is playing a lot of this stuff, but it just doesn't feel like that abuse of humor at some point just kind of gets old. This is a series that I felt like should have been a short. Now, again, so comedy subjective. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are like, man, no, the entire episode I'm rolling. Every episode, the entire episode I'm rolling. But me, I feel like a fatigue. Like, I feel a fatigue with a full-length episode of just nonstop Carla berating Alvin. And it's like, at some point, it's like, I get it. Yeah, you do think he's terrible, and he doesn't know if you're actually a healer. We get it. What else? Oh, okay, he's terrible. Okay, we get it. What else? So, that's my issue, is I feel like it, it just loses its steam really quickly. Um, I was kind of glad that I didn't watch this show, like, all the way through, or at least the first few episodes all the way through on one stop, because oh, I think gosh. it been, uh, that would, would burn me out. Me. Yeah. I don't see how anybody can would be able to sit through 12 episodes of this. Again, comedy subjective, but... I don't know. I, I I do love Carla. I think she's fantastic. She her quirkiness is so funny. Um, again, her little like peace sign wink, and she's always terrible at it. is is fantastic. Again, the question mark is if she's even a healer because it's. I mean, let's be honest. She's probably more like a demon lord. I and and that was one of the things that I was most excited about that with this was. I mean, we we kind of poked at the idea of her being a uh, basically a shadow priest from uh, World of Warcraft. It would have been absolutely perfect. And and it yeah, I guess she's kind of doing that, but that doesn't seem to be what they're outside of like us uh, in the last episode, Alvin finally going, Are you even a healer? And and she said, Yeah, let me prove it. I can do a, a an enhancement spell and then uh then the weird uh things that came from that. But it's it's one of those things of your main um, joke. I I guess maybe they're holding that card for a while. I I, I don't know. I know it what it's going to turn out to be. She she didn't heal him after he got killed by the bear. He she probably turned him into a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> he probably she probably like turned him into some sort of zombie corpse thing. It's just he's not decaying yet. Eventually, at some point, his his fingers is going to fall off, and he's going to be like, "Why did that happen?" And she's going to go whistling. <laughs> she's going to be sitting there whistling. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good. Definitely, if you if you like the fantasy RPG tropes, I, I I did I did get a huge kick out of the fact that when the first episode, and it technically does it like every episode, but when the first episode opens up, it literally has like the world of fantasy, and then it shows like a bunch of legit healers <laughs> that are actually healing and buffing and shielding people, and I'm like, great! I knew what the shtick of the show was going to be, so I'm like, that was a great way to open it up to kind of remind you what a good healer does and then to jump right into it but it's technically that whole joke of like yeah usually when you're in a game and you're a healer and you run by somebody you've ever gotten those whispers where they're like you could have healed me it's like what i'm running by you it's not like my job is to get off my mount and heal you it is it is technically playing off a lot of those jokes so um yeah don't hurt me my healer check that out if that's interesting to you definitely a, a quirky show Moving forward, we have I'm Quitting Heroing, or Yusha Yamimasu 
This one's streaming on High Dive, running for 12 episodes, done by uh, Studio EMT Squared. Source is a light novel. Jamas are action, adventure, comedy, fantasy. Series composition is being done by Shigeru Murakoshi, who did Zombie Land Saga. We just talked about that a minute ago. <laughs> Gymnastic Samurai and Seton Academy. And this one opens up with a guy named Leo, who is the hero of this world. Well, technically, it opens up with him in some modern times world where some guy says, go do what you want to do if all else fails kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'm going to do that. And then it jumps forward and says, oh, yeah, by the way, this fantasy world (laughs) where this hero exists named Leo. And he traveled across across the world and defeated the, the Demon Lord's army all by himself. He just took down everything and stopped the Demon Lord all by himself. And then when he returns home, unfortunately, it seems like everybody's afraid of him. He's now kind of a threat. Now that the the main threat of the Demon Lord's gone, they realize how powerful Leo is that he was able to, alone, take down the Demon Lord's army and everything. So everybody's, like, afraid of him. And it turns to this point where everybody starts persecuting him and claiming that he's a danger and he's a threat. All the way to the point where the king himself says, look, I'm sorry. I know you did a lot for us. You basically saved us, but... I have to listen to the people. I need to banish you from our kingdom. So, now that he's pretty much been banished by the humans and, and the and the people of this world, he decides, you know, look, I'll, let me see if the demon lord will take me. <laughs> like, they, they don't want me. Let's go see if the demon lord will want me. So he goes there and basically applies to work for the demon lord to help her rebuild her entire uh, army and... That's kind of where we're at. He's he's is it it of course the problem that he faces is that the demon lord Echidona doesn't like him. <laughs> this is a dude that basically took her down. But beside her, her generals, he meets them off to the side and says, "Look, I'm serious. I want to help you guys out." So what the generals decide is that, well, "Okay, in secrecy, we'll let you help us. And if you prove to us that you are actually going to help us, we will go to the Demon Lord and convince her to allow you to join the Demon Lord's army. And so that's kind of where we're at. With the second episode, we kind of focus in on uh, Stena, who is a succubus, and the fact that she's pretty much the administrator. Like, she handles all the paperwork and stuff, but she does it all by herself. She doesn't delegate. So she has she's very swamped. She takes way too much upon herself. So it turns this whole thing where he's trying to, I guess, convince her that she needs to delegate. These are these things that you can delegate to somebody else to handle so that you can, you know, relieve some of that pressure that's on you. And that then transfers to him having to help out Lily, who is this beast girl that is already convinced that she's going to marry Leo. Because I guess in her particular race, if they're defeated by a male, they have to marry them. And so she's she's really happy that he's here, but she's super hyper ganky, very, very immature in a lot of ways. She just wants to have fun, but... She's now leading logistics of the Demon Lord's army, and so that's a little bit dangerous having her handle that. So he's kind of have to teach her to rely on other people, as well as kind of mature a little bit. And that's pretty much where I left it. I think the next one they were, I think, getting into was Edwald, but I don't know if that episode came out yet. I don't think so. Hmm? I don't think so. You only got up to Lily, too? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, basically the shtick is that he's trying to gain favor from all the Demon Lord's uh, generals in order to convince the demon lord herself that he's a part of it they do hint a little bit on the idea that it's kind of one of those things where things aren't quite what they seem as leo at some point takes note that ekidona might be a good person it hints a little bit this idea that ekidona on the battlefield he noticed that she was essentially trying to protect the innocent 
when they were taking over these villages and stuff, she's like, don't harm the innocent. She's actually, it kind of, again, hints at this idea that she's actually a good person. She's not just a, this villain that's trying to kill everybody that opposes her. So it kind of hints at a little bit of that, like I said, they did technically hint at the opening sequence that he might be an isekai, but they've never really addressed it ever since then. I don't know if it's maybe a thing where he forgets when he travels to other times or other worlds or if that's a future timeline, <laughs> maybe he maybe he advances this world to skyscrapers and stuff and maybe that's the future. It never really kind of gets into that again, but like I said, I, I think it's pretty heavy hinting at the idea that the Demon Lord's a good person, and maybe it's the other side that's the bad people. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, your thoughts on I'm quitting heroing? Yeah, this one uh, it, I has very much... Um, I, I've taken a very big liking to it. Um, like Andrew had mentioned, the kind of uh, interplay of uh, that the quote-unquote humans are not necessarily the good guys and maybe possibly the the demons the demon lord's side is might not necessarily be the bad guys leo going through this entire process of just effectively trying to help these characters and i i love that it's it plays on on some some rpg-esque uh uh, tropes and at the same time kind of keeping in line with this just generally mundane tasks and what should what you should know and how those things are um not necessarily being fulfilled by these uh just generally crazy characters so for instance like andrew was talking about with lily he's he's trying to teach her uh uh teamwork and she through sheer force of willpower and and hard-headedness just breaks through all of his tasks that are designed specifically to teach her to go out and find somebody who can help you with this task and i i just love all these these goofy little uh tidbits uh uh, uh was was very similar in um, I can I can do this process in in three hours and and when he comes back and just loafs around for uh, literally uh, two and a half of the three hours and and she's just going crazy because of that fact and and then when everything is revealed that yeah technically he was doing something very specific it, it all worked out and and taught her this this very important lesson I I, I love all, all the these these quirks of this this show that are really kind of cool. Uh, um, it, it It's one of those things that you, when you watch this show, you go into it thinking that it's going to be one thing and you get this entirely different thing. I, I really love that, that it's, it's doing that and pulling it off really well. I'm in the same boat. I, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed this show. I, I honestly, when I, it was one of those ones where when I finally got around to it, I'm like, eh, okay, let's, let's, let's see. Let's, let's see what it does. Now I, I granted from the, synopsis when we're doing our preview it did have an interesting concept this idea of you know quitting the heroing and becoming the villain essentially in a sense but it was really refreshing once it started getting into it that it had a lot more thought put into it than i originally thought it was going to be now my question is really going to come around to what is it going to do once it kind of establishes okay he's he's conquered all the generals basically um what is it going to do beyond that point is going to be the big question mark and what it and if i'm going to enjoy it going forward and I think it's it's set up enough that I think it's going to have a good payoff. I think once he you know conquers all the generals, it's probably going to get into the aspect of Ekidona herself. And w- if she's actually a good person, 
and then it's probably going to get into a threat from the other side. Probably maybe a new hero that will come and, and face off, and Leo's going to have to defeat them. It's going to turn into the Leo become the villain. And like I said before, I do, I do, I always like the concept of the things aren't what they seem. The gray area of one side, you realizing at some point that you were on the wrong side of the of the battlefield. I think that's something they're hitting on really heavily. Like I said, with Ekidona making these comments and wanting good for her people, uh, how the the other side persecuted the Dragonkin and turned on them and betrayed them. Obviously, again, the other side is pretty nasty so far, and I think when they Hopefully when they start getting that stuff a lot more, it'll have something really cool to kind of jump into. Obviously, for the most part, the show is very laid back. It is very lighthearted. It's it's, com- it's more comedy than anything, but it's very it's very fantasy, high fantasy with a... Not high fantasy, but it's very fantasy with a element of, of some comedy sprinkled in there. Uh, Lily is best logistics girl. I would love to work with her when I was doing procurement. <laughs> <laughs> it made a lot more fun to my days, but I've enjoyed the character so far. Uh, the whole aspect of the the succubus that doesn't like him getting too close to her is is always funny. But um, I'm I, I do like the cast, and I think that's the the big thing this probably has so far is it has a really solid cast with some funny characters uh, to throw into the mix. With again the whole aspect of essentially managing a demon lord army, it, it is it is sort of in the vein of build a nation in a sense, but it's not too heavy into it. Just enough that it's actually enjoyable. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm very much so surprised how much I'm enjoying this series, um, despite the fact that I, looking at it from the outside, I didn't I, don't, I didn't think I was actually going to enjoy it. So, And I think that's partly because Leo's not obnoxious. He's a pretty solid character. Um, it's not... It would be interesting if they got more into what he essentially destroyed, but for the most part, he just seems like he's kind of <laughs> acting like he owns the place. He just kind of comes in. He's not going, crap... They're suffering because I screwed up this, or crap, maybe I shouldn't have defeated her. It's always kind of like, yeah, whatever, let's do this. <laughs> he never really cares about the fact that all of the stuff and suffering they're going through right now is because, oh yeah, I technically blew all that stuff up. It's always in a comedic way, so I'll, I'll be interested to see how he tackles the whole Ekidona issue. <laughs> I think she's probably the most, obviously the one that's against him the most. Everybody else seems to be kind of cool with him, so... Um, and like I said, Lily technically just wants to marry him. So <laughs> yeah, no problem with getting, getting in the good side with Lily, but, um, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. If, if, if you like the whole building a nation aspect, if you like some fantasy with a little bit of a sprinkle of comedy in there, um, I think this is definitely a series that you should check out with some really solid characters. So yeah, I'm quitting here and check that out. Moving on, we have Miss Sachiko and the Little Baby Ghost, or Sachiko-san wa Yojo Yure ni Iyasaratai. Oh my gosh, that last word is pain, but yeah. Streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 12 episodes, done by Studio Project Number 9. Sources of manga, genres are comedy, supernatural. Series composition by Hitomi Muino, who did uh, Vanitas, Higahiro, Manchu, After the Rain, Flying Witch, Noragami, blah, blah, blah. This one follows uh, Fushihara, and Fushihara is what is known as a Sachiku, which is, for those who don't know, pretty much somebody that their entire life centered around what their boss wants. They are basically worked day and night for their company. If their boss asks them to do something, they do it, um, all the way to the point of becoming overworked. Um, this is a, obviously a – it's such a big issue in Japan that there's literally a name for it. <laughs> 
it's such a big issue. And I mean, it, I, I think it's a worldwide thing, but obviously one big thing that's well known in Japan is that a lot of people become their job and they work themselves to death. And like I said, Fushihara is one such person kind of shows her working late into the night. I think way into like 2 AM at some point as she's working on these projects that her boss threw on her at the last minute, uh, she starts hearing something saying leave <laughs> and she keeps saying to herself, no, I, I can't leave. I got the stuff to do. And she keeps hearing leave, 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 leave until eventually she's like, you know what, wh- where is this coming from? She starts looking around the office until eventually Behind a printer, she ends up finding a little cute baby ghost. And this little baby ghost is telling her to leave. You have to leave. You're going to die. You have to leave. And she's just like, oh, man, this thing's so cute. Oh, okay, now I'm refreshed. Now I can work some more. And the thing's like, no, no, you have to leave. You're going to die. I don't want you to die. You kind of find out as you see kind of the perspective of this ghost that she's always kind of watched Fushihara. They get in this whole joke where every time, you know, lunchtime comes around and everybody puts their you know, their food on their desk. Uh, This ghost kind of sees it as an offering. And so she goes over and collects things that she deems as an offering. And Fushihara always leaves the good stuff. So she really likes Fushihara. And so she doesn't want Fushihara to die from overworking. So she's constantly telling Fushihara, please leave, please leave. It gets to a point where because she kind of knows that Fushihara is not going to leave, she tries to do anything that she can to make Fushihara comfortable, like helping her, uh, getting tea for her, blanket whenever she's cold, uh, anything to kind of relieve the stress that Fushihara is facing, which is kind of the gist of the whole story, is just this overworked office person being healed by a lolly ghost. So, and it gets in some side characters and stuff. They eventually introduce this stray cat, and the cat ends up transforming into a cute cat girl thing. But your thoughts? I freaking love this show. <laughs> um, I have. Um... The, the 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 short answer for everybody is if you like cute cutesy stuff go watch this uh it's it is by far my healing sugar show of the season i i absolutely love every every episode that of this that's coming up um it's one of those that i i love the um the the pastel colors i love the um the the soft uh soft tone to a lot of the things that are going on the characters are scrunchy and and just set up in such a way that you you obviously know that these are supposed to be cutesy type characters um they they've delved into a little bit of the ghost girls uh kind of past um i i doubt that they're going to dig much deeper um they may actually answer the question of how she ended up being a ghost but for the for the most part she has uh they have done a little bit of digging into her past it Um, kind of hints that her her mother was was overworked and i think that's probably going to play into the whole aspect of unfinished business is that she just doesn't want people to overwork right and it's 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 one of those things that it it doesn't try to be too heavy outside of hey uh uh Miss Sachiko is is or Miss Sachiku needs to uh get home to kind of relax and 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 calm herself down and uh the uh the ghost is is constantly it's 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 just too fun to see her say why won't you leave when when she's uh uh Sachiku is is watching her do her c- cute antics and She's drawing this this healing energy from it and 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 finding herself more willing to keep 
pushing through her tiredness and and she's sitting there going well why won't you leave why i i'm telling you to leave and it, it's just too cute i I love these characters and and uh, or the the ghosts and and they're they're just hearts of gold of wanting to uh, uh, do what's best for uh, Sachiku uh, cleaning up her house when she uh, when uh, Sachiku has has no time to to clean up for herself and so it, I just love it. it it's all around just a fantastic show that I'm just absolutely enjoying every minute of. It's basically Helpful Fox and Kosan. Yep. <laughs> it's literally Helpful Fox and Kosan. Well, Helpful Fox and Kosan, and I, and I thought it was going to turn this when, when uh, the ghost finally went to her home. I thought it was going to be a thing where she just returns, but then suddenly I know where the ghost back is back at the, the company again. It, it plays it, – with, with Helpful Fox and Kosan, it was literally all about guy is overworked, super dooming gloomy, comes home, and a cute fox girl is there that will just brighten up his day. He gets to tough, touch her tail and fluff it, and he's super healed by it. It's basically the same idea here as somebody that's super overworked, really down, and then cute thing enters the picture that heals her. And I, I think it's really something that is a, a special – it's like a genre in itself. It, I, I don't want to say it's Yashike because Yashike is kind of – it's going for a different thing, whereas I just feel like it's that aspect of just – um something fluffy, something cute that just gives you a little bit of hope in life. And I think that's what it's definitely doing here. Obviously being overworked is a huge thing. I, I dealt with it uh, a couple of years ago, that, that feeling like you're just, you're working day and night to the point where you just feel like you're dying inside. And these types of shows really does it. It feels like it's addressing it. Like it's obviously pointing out that this is a thing that people experience. And it's something that is obviously a bad thing. But it's doing it in a way that still acknowledges that it. some people will just will not walk away from it. Like, this is their life, and they've committed to it. But take a breather now and then. I think it's really hitting on that idea of take a breather every now and then. Because, obviously, a lot of the joke, and you kind of hit on it, is that when she comes in and, and starts, you know, screaming, leave, leave, leave. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. I can work more. It still acknowledges this idea that it's part of the joke that, okay, well, I'm just going to keep moving forward. But it still acknowledges, just take a step for a second, step back for a minute, take a breather, and let yourself recuperate a little bit before you step forward again. And I think that's something that, again, a lot of people can relate to, that even though you do want to take a step back, you still have to finish it. And it is a is it a thing that some people will not walk away from, but it's still taking in that whole idea of just heal here's this cute thing heal. And I think a lot of people will appreciate it for that. They will enjoy, obviously the ghost is super cute. <laughs> She's way, way too super cute. Um, I, I like the fact that she gets like the whole, uh, radio thing to alter her voice to make herself sound so evil. <laughs> it doesn't really work. Uh, just the goof ups that she does with that. Um, she's absolutely adorable. Uh, there's no, there's no escaping the adorableness of that. But I will say on top of all that stuff, really all you're going to find here. Don't look for hilarious moments. Don't look for a deep storyline. This is strictly um, a little bit of relatability that some people will have with Sachiku and what she's going through and that element of just adorableness, that that cuteness that you're going to face with just these little segments. I will say I kind of, coming into it, was hoping that this would be a short because I feel like this fits better with a short 
but I wasn't bored watching it. I still enjoyed it watching, even though it was a full length episode. Um, and a lot of it is around that idea of just unwinding, relax, enjoy the cuteness. And that's what you're, I think a lot of people are going to find enjoyment out of this is just that adorableness. Um, again, we, we technically just introduced the, the little cat ghost, no cat ghost, or just the little cat just thing. Little cat. It didn't really say it was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm interested to see the other characters, um, still at this point, but we'll, we'll see how they turn out. What kind of, what kind of thing they'll kind of add to it? Obviously with the cat, she's kind of that, that presence at home. Um, I'll be curious to see what they do with the other ones. I was assuming one of them was probably going to be for one of the other, uh, workers that's in there. They at some point started really highlighting another girl that was trying to overwork along with her. But they haven't really, even besides the fact that uh, the ghost girl was trying to help her as well, they haven't really gotten too much into it. So we'll see. We'll see what those ones can add to it. Um, but it's definitely very, very cute, and that's that's what you're getting here. So if that sounds to you, definitely, definitely check it out. But uh, that's Miss Sachiku and the little baby ghost. Definitely, definitely cute. Adorbs, adorbs. Moving on, we have a stab life, great escape or establishment life. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 12 episodes, done by Studio Polygon Pictures. Source is a multimedia project with a game and a film. Uh, the genres are action and sci-fi. The director is Hiroyuki Hashimoto, who did Izzy or Rabbit, Classroom of the Elite, Magical Girl Rising Project. And the writer is Shoji Gato, which is the creator of Full Metal Panic, Omega Brilliant Park, and Copcraft. So. This one opens up in a world that's kind of segmented in sections. It kind of explains this idea that Mankind has kind of secluded themselves to different kind of um, bordered lands where each of these cities are kind of handled in a different way. And it basically focuses on this one group um, that are extractors. Uh, Equa, Fetis, uh, Martis, Ella, Ula, and uh, this robot thing that helps them, Aga. And their whole job is every now and then they'll get a coded message from somebody that wants to be extracted. And their whole job is to go in there, confirm the person wants to be extracted, and they will take that person and help them escape from this particular city and so they can go to another city. Because for some reason you can't just up and leave one city and go to another one. You have to stay in the city that you're actually born in. So, yeah, and it kind of gets into the aspect of each of these cities sort of have their own quirks to them. Think something like Kino's Journey, or as I was kind of mentioning to a lot of people, um, Sakugan. This idea that you each one of these cities is sort of has its own theme to it. One is like everybody is either being you know ravaged or as part of the yakuza. Like the city is nothing but yakuza. They even have the weather forecasting is about breakouts of gang fights. <laughs> uh, one city that they've got into was kind of hinting at this idea that whatever you're born doing is what you do for the rest of your life. So it has this teacher that is a teacher and he doesn't want to teach anymore. And they're basically telling him, look, take a break, but come back and you're doing, you're doing your teaching. Um, so it, 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 and one has like a, um, a, a capitalist versus communist side of the same city. So this, this West side is this, and this right side is this. And has these penguins that want to go from one side to the other and they're not really allowed to, but, um, yeah, and then, like, yeah, a lot of focus on the extractors themselves, including Equa, who at some point in the third episode are really kind of bringing up questions as to what she is or who she is. Uh, Fetis, who is this girl that was from the Yakuza City, uh, she was known as, like, this, um, was it, 
was her name? I forget what her name was. She's something special because she has this like magic bullet that can like ricochet off stuff. It's crazy. Mad Cat, I think they called her. Mad Mad Cat or something like that. I thought it was Wild Cat. Martise, who is a slime, so they love having her get her head blown off every two seconds because she's a slime and can recreate herself. So obviously she can get shot all the damn time. Eula, who is like this wolf guy um, who has a sword. So, your thoughts on a stab life, great escape? I don't know. I should have probably reconsidered it based. If I, I didn't even think about the the possibility of it being more about the places that they were dealing with. I I was going more along the lines of I as as my habit is to pay more attention to the characters, and I I didn't really so much focus on the places that they were in um but you're you're very right the 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 places that they were in because okay let me let me let me let me restart um i don't much care for this show um i've gotten to a an an episode that i really enjoyed mostly because i liked the kind of concept of uh, the two halves of the slime and this kind of democratic system that's going on in her head. And I really absolutely had a blast with that. That was the one and only episode in this entire show that he didn't I didn't like the penguin slap. I liked the penguin slap. The penguin sw- <laughs> slap was all right. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I acknowledge, um, I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging what Andrew said because I think that that, if I had came into it from that perspective of looking at it as this kind of more Kino, uh, Kino's Journey-esque type uh, show, maybe I probably would have enjoyed it more. No, because I went into it with that expectation and didn't get much out of it. So. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you might. You might. I mean, it, it is, it's one of those frustrating things is I, I didn't much care for – much of anything going on around the 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 characters and the characters weren't really kind of keeping me drive uh driven forward um and that's that's a really frustrating thing i uh i the the biggest problem with this show is that the storyline uh isn't enough to drive th- push me through my frustration with its artwork um, and that's that's the biggest thing is I don't care for its artwork because of it of it being a full CG sh- show. Um, I've got to have something that's going to drive me through wanting to put up with that that kind of frustration. And it wasn't enough it, for me anyway. Um, I I don't know. I, 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 I just generally I'm not not enjoying myself watching the show. Yeah, I'm. I'm... I struggle with it because I, I don't mind the art style. I think this is interesting um, seeing Polygon Pictures really kind of address this sort of – or at least attempt this sort of art style, which they've never really done before. Typically, Polygon Pictures is more of a flat, trying to push more into realistic-looking anime style with a lot of their stuff like Ajin and, and uh, Sidonia. So it was re- I was really interested in them taking a more you know colorful visual style – and with a more cel-shaded look with this particular series. I think it looks fine. I mean, it's not not the greatest. It still has a little bit of sniffness in there. Um, but it looks fine to me. The the thing that I was trying to find was just something to grab onto. And I don't really think I've... At least with the 30 episodes that I've watched, I haven't really found anything in there so far. I do want to check out the slime episode and see how that turns out. Honestly, what I want to check out is after 
they get done with obviously they'll probably do Ula next um, what they're going to do beyond getting into each of the characters they've already and because the characters themselves they didn't really do much uh, at least with my experience with Ellis and or Ferris and what little they got into with Equa they're not really interesting most of the interactions are really Fetus doesn't want to do a job and Equa googly eyes her until she decides to do it because not like I'm doing it for you or anything, but Baka. She's got the whole Sundere thing going on. So it's got it's one of those things where with a lot of stories, you either need to have like characters, you need to have chemistry, or you need to have a really interesting world to dive into. And I don't think it's doing any of those. It's doing each one of those, I guess, technically very surface level. Because the, each of the clusters they go to, yes, is very Kino's Journey-esque, where it's, let's see what kind of unique thing is about this particular area. Uh, it seems like they're all kind of controlled by some sort of AI system within each of these clusters. It's like a central data point that monitors everything. And they're not really that interesting. Like, the over, the they're, they're typically... Like I said, I was, I was moving more away from Kino's Journey to something like Sakagun, because Kino's Journey is always very... It's very trying to be realistic. It's trying to be like some. This is a society that would exist, and how Kino responds to it. Typically, Kino doesn't get involved. He just kind of, she just kind of uh, examines it and observes it, and then leaves. Sakagun was more in the realm of something like this because it's more bombastic and goofy, like it's over the top sort of worlds. Again, a full world of nothing but yakuza doesn't seem like it could sustain itself for very long, but. That's this world. And they have news reports about weather and, and bullets. You're going to have a storm of bullets over here. So don't go over here. Um, yeah, guy wants to become magical girl. Uh, again, getting into a place where you're kind of fitted into a certain lifestyle and you have to stick with that. They're they're all very... Yeah, and then, and then the goofy penguins trying to move on to this other area. It's just very goofy and not very thought-provoking. It's not going for thought-provoking like Kino's Journey does. So it's like the clusters themselves aren't doing anything for me. Uh, the world itself's not doing anything for me. And the character's chemistry is not really doing th- anything for me. Because like I said, it's usually just Mart's, you know, doting on Equa or Equa trying to convince Fetus to do something. Fetus being Sundere. And then the wolf guy staying off the side being comedy relief every now and then. Um, so the chemistry's not there. The characters aren't really that deep. The overall story's not doing anything. The world itself's not doing anything. Again, I hope it, it, it picks up with something later on. Um, because I like to give Polygon pictures. I always enjoy a lot of Polygon picture stuff, but I think the biggest issue this show has is it's showing its multimedia project. Like, it's it's going to be a game, and it feels very segmented game storyline type of stuff. And it, it's just, is there something about <laughs> mobile game stories that you just feel it? It's like you, you just feel, yeah, this feels very chapter-based story. It feels very very game surface level don't have too much uh don't have too much stuff to explain because it's going to be really quick dialogue exchanges between each i don't know combat sequence they maybe do um it doesn't feel like it has a deep plot that a mobile game is typically not going to have because you don't have much time to watch a story on a mobile game it has that that feel that i i think is kind of working against it so i don't know I, I might I might push on, but um, it is it is definitely a series that it hasn't really grabbed me at all with it. Besides the penguin slap, the penguin slap was really funny. The solution to every problem is no pun. No just pun. so you know. <laughs> and penguin slaps. A stab life, great escape. Check that out if that's interesting to you. 
Skeleton Knight in Another World or Gaikotsu Kishisama Tadaima Isekai e Ode Kakechu. This was streaming on Crunchyroll. Uh, the studio is Studio Kai and Hornets. The source is a light novel. The genres are action fantasy. And this one follows uh, Ark. Well, it follows a guy who suddenly finds himself waking up as Ark inside of this video game. And he realized really quickly, oh, hey, I'm actually in the fantasy world that I played before. And I am my character. I have my armor that I had from that game. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I also chose a skeleton as a race. So... That sucks, because obviously if anybody knows that I'm a skeleton, it's probably going to make them want to chase me down and kill me. So he quickly realizing that he's in this fantasy world and that he's got everything that he had before. He's hiding his identity as he explores the world and takes on jobs just to survive and, and put food on his table and just enjoy fantasy. Because it really does seem like really quickly as established, this guy really likes fantasy, so... Being in this fantasy world, he's he's super happy. It seems like he's super content with the fact that he's in this world now and just kind of having fun and enjoying his his, his time there. So, uh, yeah, he takes on some jobs, helps some people. Eventually, he ends up bumping into this uh, elf girl that's trying to uh, basically rescue a lot of elf children that are being taken, uh, being captured by bandits and sold off. And um, he rescues a princess at some point that's trying to be killed or and other things <laughs> and uh yeah just in, enjoying his time being in this world and and fighting bad guys so your thoughts on skeleton knight in another world outside of overlord meets goblin slayer basically outside of the occasional drop of kind of more darker undertones that are in this show um the arc's general kind of personality is actually, to me, very infectious. It, it, I, I do really kind of just enjoy him, like Andrew was pointing out, him just generally enjoying himself playing this or doing this. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that um, you have usually characters that are, you, you know, the the over the overly done super otaku who gets kind of geeked out on everything but arc just generally is just infectious fun where he's he's going around and he sees a chill like yeah he's, he's a chill otaku like he's he's an otaku that you kind of want to sit down and talk to because he's not like oh my gosh this is this is this is this is this is this is and get, starts geeking out too much and you're like would you settle down he's he's into things but he's not like super bombastic yeah he 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 sees a, a cute elf girl and he goes, Oh, there's an elf girl. And then That's fantasy, and then, <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's very uh, infectious in the way that he is in, in, in this world. Um, the, the, the world as it, as a, as an, as a whole, I, I, there is some dark undertones, but it hasn't um, been overly, um, obnoxious with it where it it's it's like basically the 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 worst scene of the entire show so far has been the first scene literally if you can get through that and it, and it's not even on the levels of goblin slayer honestly it's it's literally something is about to happen you know what's about to happen it forced 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 uh, situation the guy forcing himself on a lady let's just say that just for the youtube and it gets to the point where it's about to happen and a dude walks in, saves the day and it's over. If you can get through that scene, 
literally nothing else is as dark as that. The PV indicates it's going to happen again, so let's keep that in mind. Oh, okay. Well, the PV does indicate that it will happen again. Okay. Because we well, were joking about the idea that it feels like his entire harem is going to be him rescuing them from being forced upon by men, which technically hasn't happened, because it literally had that scene at the very beginning. They basically get back into it later on because it was kind of one of those jump forward kind of things. And then, like, it really hasn't had anything like that again. I mean, it does get into violence and and human tra- elf trafficking. I was getting ready to say <laughs> there, but human trafficking is is kind of a, a a dark undertone as well. So yeah, it's a messed up world that he's in. Obviously, it is a it is a medieval times. This stuff kind of happens in that setting, and he's in it, and so he's now. He it, it is nice that he doesn't overlook it. Like you see something bad happening, it's like, dude, I'm gonna help this because fantasy. <laughs> I'm gonna take this thing down. Like anything anything that is a threat, he's going to destroy it. And he's super overpowered, obviously, because why not? You always have to be overpowered when you're ESET guide, but at least it, it at least it explains why he's overpowered. Like he he just randomly chose this thing. I, I forget what exactly why he chose it. I think he liked the armor or something like that. And oh by the way, it just so happens he got all the classes that were down that chain, he didn't even realize it would happen. It was almost like a bug that was kind of overlooked, but it's it's fun. No, I agree with you. I, I really like Ark. I think he's a fantastic main character. He's not too much, but at the same time, he's just kind of, like I said, that dude that you just kind of enjoy hanging out and talking with. He seems like a, a decently good guy, but he's not too full of himself. He's not full of the situation. He's just kind of existing there. Um, and so he, he the, the fact that he is technically taking on really dark situations and handling it um it's it's rewarding like you feel like yeah that dude those guys deserve to get chopped in half <laughs> let's just be perfectly honest ain't ain't crying over spilt milk right there um uh, a lot of that stuff is enjoyable and uh trying to i guess win over the sundete elf that doesn't want to hang out with them is fun as well it's it, it's I, I generally like the way that people react to him. Of of he's 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 this guy yeah, in shining army. Why are you taking this job? Because I have to. And he's like, there's something that's going on with him. Obviously, they a story. <laughs> he, he got a story. He got a backstory given to him. He's obviously trying to help his sick son uh, or his sick children. So, good luck, Silver Knight guy. <laughs> okay, I got a I got a backstory now. I guess I'll I guess I'll go with it. Uh, I mean, that was even with the girl. Like she she was like holy crap why is this guy here why why is this knight here i'm in trouble or something oh no i'm here for this job okay um yeah he's he's solid i i really enjoy it like this is kind of like it's one of those shows where i don't really necessarily think it's incredible but i really enjoy it like i enjoy it from beginning to end like there's not been a scene or anything that i have not enjoyed in this show and granted i don't want to see this girl um in, in danger for a little bit of segment of time but everything else is like it's really solid i really do enjoy it so i am looking forward to more of this show there's, there's nothing really here that i don't like except for the ed that's fully in cgi other than that it's really good it looks good too like besides the fact that yeah you do eventually will see the cgi characters fighting each other um for the most part it, it looks really solid I'm, I'm kind of surprised um how good it looks so um it's been a lot of fun. Really enjoying it. So that's if if you're looking for a really fun, laid back, uh, not really laid back, but fun little fantasy show with a with a overpowered main character that's not too too full of himself, just kind of fun to watch. Uh, definitely suggest it from from me. So yeah, let's go to the night in another world. Moving on, we have Aharensan is indecipherable or Aharensan Wahakaranai. This one is on streaming on Crunchyroll. Uh, the studio is Felix Film. 
These sources among uh, the genres are comedy, romance, slice of life. The creator is obviously uh, Asato, uh, obviously. Obvious for those that know. <laughs> the creator is Asato Mizu, who has done Dinky Guy. Uh, the chief director is Yasutaka Yamamoto, who did Servant X Service, and actually I am. The current director is Tomoe uh, Miko, uh, Makino, who did Katoro Lives Alone. Series composition by Tako Yoshioka, who did Million Lives, uh, Hori Mia, Konohana Katan, Interview with Monster Girls, Working, and Your Lion April. And the character designs is by Yuko Yahiro, who did Kaguya-sama, Love is War, which is interesting. So this one follows uh, Matsuboshi, who is going to the school, and it's the new year. And he's always had an issue in the past where people kind of see him as being rough. Like, he he, he has that, that whole look that he's a, a mean guy or whatever, so a lot of people avoid him. And so he's going to... He's going to change that this year. He's going to meet people. He's going to be friendly and get friends. And so his first target is his neighbor, who's very quiet. Doesn't seem like anybody really interacts with her. Uh, Ahedin. Ahedin is very quiet and doesn't seem like she's responding to anything he says. He's like, you know, hey, how's it going? Doesn't respond. Okay, uh, the weather's nice, isn't it? No response. Uh, come to find out, Ahedin is just very quiet. She's he's responding to him, but she's just very, very soft-spoken. And he realized that at some point when a Hadron gets really close to him, like right up in his face, and talks very quietly. And you kind of find out a Hadron is kind of similar to something like Komi-san can't communicate. A Hadron has an issue with communication, but it's different. It's very different than the idea that a Hadron has, uh, has had bad experience in the past, where she felt like she wanted to be very close to people and very ganky and and talk to people and and be very you know up in their face kind of thing very close and people pushed her away and so she kind of closed herself in afraid of pushing more people afraid away she decides to close herself in and so after he kind of she goes you know that's it's all right you can you can be outspoken with me you can do whatever you want to do and so she quickly hugs him <laughs> like she has no no idea about personal space and all those kind of social cues but yeah, Ahedin is a goofball, and so you kind of seeing her come out of that shell, be a lot more outspoken. Him trying to figure out ways of communicating and and, under, and hearing her is is a, a a big part of the earlier segments. Eventually, they meet Oshiro, who is a a friend of Ahedin for a long time, who just wants to protect her, and she's like deathly afraid of him because again, he has this look about him that he's mean and whatever. So, your thoughts on Ahedin-san is indecipherable. I freaking love this show. <laughs> Um, I, I, I had in is, is, is absolutely fantastic. I, she's kind of the, um, kind of the same, um, as the, um, Tanori no Seki-kun where, uh, she's, she's just getting into some, some kind of a goofy thing and, and Matsuboshi is, is, is reacting to that in some way, shape or form of trying to understand what it is she's doing. Decipher her? <laughs> yeah, she he's exactly. I was trying to I, I, I caught myself doing that earlier um, where he's trying to figure out what it is she's doing. And at the same time, you, you also have this other side of Matsuboshi who's trying to make it to where he can um, he can make her life better in some way, shape or form. So you have these two characters that are just generally uh, uh the odd couple kind of vibe of how do they fit together in this weird world that they they have created for themselves 
Um, and, and, and Shiro, I, I, I really do kind of want to see more of how she kind of fits into, uh, the two of them. And, as if in in the future they do add more characters because Oshiro is 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 absolutely a heart of gold you know fantastic character and I do love the fact that she has this kind of um uh want to protect her and yet Matsuboshi is too scary for her to uh to handle because she's just um this kind of uh um, well she's willing to take down matsuboshi but she's too afraid of making a head and mad at her yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah too. i thought you were gonna shave me bald i kind of wanted to but i didn't want her <laughs> to get mad at me because she's like de- she's also definitely afraid of a head too so it's, it, it she is very super she's just timid. super timid yeah yeah so like even with a head this childhood friend of hers she's afraid of upsetting her like even like she thinks that whenever she does something mean to matsuboshi a will like reprimand her but it's always like holy crap i'm gonna she's gonna hit me or something like that it's never really that bad so i i absolutely love this show and i uh highly suggest it if you like the uh like the kind of it's almost a semi teasing girl it's it's not exactly the same thing but just a unique girl uh type show i i i absolutely love it and highly suggest it yeah i think i think you hit it the nail on the head with uh, Tanari no Sekikun because that's very reaction torp sort of stuff because every time that Ahana would come in suddenly she's her hair straight up and he's constantly trying to figure out is she part of a a death metal band or something is she going in a rebellious stage uh, trying to figure out what she's doing yes the the decipherable kind of aspect I would more put in Ahana and Sanwa Hakara Nai is more like I don't understand Ahana or something like that I don't know indecipherable would be the right term but that's what the English I think manga was but no, I, I I've been really enjoying this series. I, I think Ahedan is absolutely a goofball, and every time she's on the screen doing something dorky, it's like you yourself trying to figure out what in the world is this girl doing. She doesn't have again, she doesn't have any boundaries. You're like, girl, please don't do that to a guy that you just met, just randomly just plopping down on his lap or something like that. She's again, it, it, it hits on the fact that she's always been kind of pushing herself away from people because. She, She's trying to close herself off from people because she was pushing people away. And then you realizing, yeah, that's probably why she's had to meet the right person that'd be okay with how, again, she doesn't have those, she doesn't realize those social boundaries that normal people have. Getting right up in somebody's face, especially a boy, uh, is is kind of not normal. <laughs> but he's good in the idea. That I, I really like Matsuboshi. And I think that was the thing that I was, there's two aspects of like because this is very, like, I was gonna say Tanari no Sekikun is definitely a good um, comparison, but like Tanari no Sekikun with Komi-san can't communicate. It's like those two just kind of smushed together. Um, it's kind of moved away from the Komi-san thing because now Ahadin is communicating properly and you can he can now understand her, but it kind of has the same feel those ones. But what I think makes this one great is that I don't have annoying side characters. Oish- uh, Oshiro is really really sweet, and I'm sure whatever other characters they'll probably introduce will be great as well. But additionally, I like Matsuboshi. Matsuboshi's a good character. Like, he's a good guy. And so he's willing to have patience with those weird quirks that Aheron has that obviously uh, these friends from her past didn't have that patience. Um, he's willing to kind of figure out those quirks that she has and and figure her out and what she's needing or what she's doing. So, and yeah, it, it kind of is necessary because Aheron is an absolute dork and <laughs> just, just great. Um, now, I, I do appreciate this art style compared to something like Dinky Guy. I, I think at the time I wasn't really um, feeling Dinky Guy because it had like literally characters that looked like a header and son were working at a business and having relationships and it was kind of weird. Whereas I think it works really well here. Just this very 
petite girl that just um, has all these goofy quirks to her. And then kind of contrasting that with Masaboshi, who's very tall and, yes, technically looks a little bit rough around the edges and dangerous. Um, they just have a really great chemistry between the two of them, and the contrast there is really fantastic. So I've been really loving it. All the little all the little skits they've been getting into have been fantastic. Um, it's either funny, it's awkward, cute, or just a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend. Um, I, I think the last episode that I watched of it, I I didn't really get too much out of it, but for the most part, I've I just enjoyed it overall. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. So looking more forward to more of it. So that's Aherensan Wahakaranai. Spikes Family is our next one, streaming on Crunchyroll. This is going to technically run for 25 episodes, but it will be a split core, so keep that in mind. It's being done between uh, both Wit Studio and Cloverworks. They're taking turns on each episode. I think Wit Studio is doing the odds, Cloverworks doing the evens, kind of similar to Tact Opus Destiny, um, if you guys watch that show. Uh, Sources of manga, the genres are action, comedy, the music being done by No Name. Director is Kazuhiro Furuhashi, who did Rona Kenshin, Dororo, and Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. The creator of the series is Tatsuya Indo, who did assist work with uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto, who of who of who did Chainsaw Man. But yeah, this one follows uh, Twilight, who is a spy, and he's working uh, for the government behind the scenes. At some point, you realize that there's these two nations side by side: this West nation, this East Asia uh, nation, and they're at peace currently. But there's people working in the background to try to get war started. And so a lot of Twilight's work is to basically spy and work on people and try to get dirt on certain people and politicians and stop any sort of conflict. Well, at some point, he's assigned to a new job, which is to get some information out of a guy named Donovan uh, Desmond. The problem is is that Donovan Desmond (laughs) doesn't really go to social gatherings or anything. It, It seems like the only place that he's ever seen publicly is at this one uh, this one academy. And so uh, this Twilight is assigned to both get a wife and a child. <laughs> and get that, I think it was within a week. I think it was like seven to ten days. Like it was within a week. He had to procure a wife and a child and get and basically get into the exams to attend this academy with their child and then be able to do the social gatherings at this academy to meet Des- uh, Donovan. Well, that's difficult because... Twilight doesn't really do relationships. I mean, he he's done relationships with women in order to get information out of them, but he's never had any sort of ambition to have a wife and children, all that kind of stuff. So this is new for him. Uh, he quickly a- acquires a child from a orphanage named Anya. Well, the goofy thing about Anya is that she's actually from some sort of lab and that she is an esper. She's able to read minds. And so she quickly realizes that Twilight is a spy and really wants to, and really likes spies. So she wants to, be his daughter so she tries really hard to act like she's super smart and reads his mind to figure out all the answers to a, a crossword puzzle then later on of course he has to get his wife and so he ends up running into yor who at this tailor shop and kind of find out yor is an assassin and <laughs> the only person that knows is anya because anya can read her mind and knows that she's an assassin so uh, she needs help because she's trying to ease the mind of her brother that she's getting a relationship and everything. And so they kind of come to an agreement that he will be his wife to, you know, do this this interview for this academy. Well, at the same time, he will go to a dinner with Yor to ease the mind of her brother. And um, that eventually leads to them getting married and everything. So big happy family. Spy, an assassin, and a mind reader. 
Nobody knows what each other's secret identity is, except for Anya knows everything. <laughs> uh, so your thoughts on Spy Family? Um, the first two episodes were absolutely fantastic. I I really enjoyed... Um, no, three episodes. I, I really enjoyed... Uh, I was about to say, what was wrong with the third episode? <laughs> I, really, I was like, I want to hear this. Um, I really enjoyed Lloyd uh, Lloyd's introduction, uh, meeting Anya. Absolutely love Anya. Uh, peanuts. Peanuts, yes. Um, absolutely uh, adored uh, the introduction to Yor and, and, and how she fits into the entire mix. Um, the first episode that I was a little bit kind of... Um, let off by and 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 this is when i say let off i because there is aspects of um the the fourth episode that i did really enjoy so four episodes yeah the i'm i'm pretty sure it's the fourth episode because i've only gotten three episodes so you got okay, an extra three. episode out of me no then no existed then then it was the third episode then the third episode Am i was I crazy bit, i was a little bit let uh let down by it, it doesn't matter i my I, I want to be very clear and 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 by saying this, um I I know it sounds like I'm I'm yeah, third episode. By saying this, I it I it sounds like I'm implying that it was bad. It was not bad. I just was a little bit <clears throat> th- think of it like this. Uh if if episode one was a ten and episode two was a a, a ten and then episode three was like an eight. I it, it, I I'm it, it gives me a little bit of pause and concern that that I I I hope that this this can we can get back into the kind of more interplay because it was so much focused on talking about the um the how how basically Lloyd going on and on about how he was frustrated with um with the way that their team was going to work. And that's probably the point of him being frustrated that he can't work as a team because he's trying to do it all himself. And if he can learn how to use these other two characters in his group, um, maybe they, maybe his, uh, the interaction will, will work a little bit better. The, the way that the first two episodes kind of come off and it, for me is kind of an, effectively an odd couple but make it a trio and that's what i really really do love about this show because lloyd uh and and anya are absolutely fantastic together lloyd and your together are fantastic together um in 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 the third episode i really love anya uh reacting to what lloyd's doing or what your is doing or what what they're thinking in in some situation so uh, those those are absolutely fantastic things that I really really do love about this show. So, I like I said a little bit of pause from from the third episode, but everything is absolutely fantastic, and I really really love this show. I got something slightly different out of the third episode. I, I think the third episode is really setting up the because I, I think what they're really going for with Spy X Family is yes, there is the interplay comedy around the mind reading and hiding the fact that you're a spy and hiding the fact that you are a an assassin. But I think the third episode highlights the aspect of the wholesome family nature of it. I think this is going to be both comedy around hiding identities, but also around the changes one has with the introduction of a family. I, I the, can the, agree with that. The third episode is really about Lloyd or Twilight realizing what's important in life. 
they hit a little bit on the first episode this idea that Lloyd doesn't like seeing Anya cry because it reminds him of himself when he was young and he was abandoned in a battlefield. He doesn't want to see others cry because it reminds himself of himself. It rehumanizes himself. And I think with the third episode, it was hitting on that again because your specifically brings him out to this place or brings both of them out to this place and says, I like being here because she was trying to give him a breather. Like she knows that something's bothering him. And it's really, yes, about the fact that he doesn't think they're going to pull this off and it's going to be his first failure. This family's not going to work. And she thinks he needs a breather, so she brings him out to this place that she always goes to where it reminds her of what she's fighting for. Yes, they. he's thinking, oh, because she's a you know, civil servant, she, she works with the government. No, it's because she kills people. <laughs> and this is a place she goes to to remind herself of why she does what she does. She stops people by obviously assassinating in order to protect people. These are the people that she protects. And it was a reminder to him, oh, yeah, this is what's important. They all three have the same goal in mind. Anya, technically, it was instilled upon her in this place that she was basically a a lab experiment, that she was the key to world peace. And she wants that, obviously. She doesn't want war. No kids really wants war. Uh, Lloyd, again, has his own experiences of being abandoned, and he wants peace. Yor, we haven't really gotten too much into it, besides the fact that she she was alone at one point. She was brought in by this group of assassins and taught to be an assassin, and so she works for them. Um, but they all have the same goal. They all have the same thing they're going for. And again, I think the third episode was, yes, partly funny going out together and learning not to be a, a you know, lavish family, but also to remind Lloyd of what was important, which is, and again, I think it's something they're going to get into eventually, this idea of, of, of family and how great that is to have. I think, I, I, I honestly for sure believe that her, his boss assigned Twilight to this role because he wants Twilight to realize at some point you need a family. <laughs> like at some point you should have a family. Like the, I think the boss wants, you know, Twilight to at some point settle down and have a family. But I think it's also obviously to get this information out of Donovan. But I think this was a reminder of that. It was instilled upon him this importance and to realize what's important. So I, I don't really want to believe that it was yes at first at the beginning segments of the third episode I do I I, I agree I was I think I was going into it so hyped because I'm they're they're together we have the three we have the trio time to have fun with this whole mechanic of Anya knowing everybody's secret but everybody hiding their secrets um, but it really wasn't that what I got instead was this is the other side of the story I think this is probably going to be a critical point of the manga and of the series. That this is that there is a family trio here that they're going to be developing on, and it was a lot to do with that. You're finally having a place to stay, and when she never really had anything before, um, Anya being a goofball in the middle between them, and because I, I, I do agree, because I with well, the first episode was all about the chemistry about Anya knowing Twilight's secret, and it was a really goofy fun. I love Anya; I think she's absolutely adorable. The second episode, getting into Yor and her quirk and having to hide her identity and. This bombastic fight with a bunch of guys that apparently are <laughs> his patients because he's a psychiatrist having episodes, violent episodes, and he has to beat them up in order for them to snap out of it. And it's part of the, the procedure and her apologizing for having to kick people. Um, all that stuff's goofy. I think, like I said, I think the third episode was kind of them reeling it back a little bit to get some wholesome in there because I think I think there's going to be a, a – a, quite a dose of wholesome in this series. I mean, the first episode had it. Like, you felt bad for Anya. Like, she obviously has been abandoned four times in her life. This is a child that just wants a family. And so she's really receptive of of Lloyd and really receptive of your 
Um, and I think that's going to be kind of that side of it. I think it's going to be a mixture of that comedy and a little mixture of wholesome, which I think is it's pulling off so far. So I, I, I love this series. I cannot wait for more of it. Um, it has been a, a fantastic show. I think animation why they've, they've been doing a fantastic job of it. Um, each one of their quirks is super fun. Um, I, I honestly was really curious of how they were going to handle Yoy, uh, Yor and, and, uh, and Lloyd's kind of hiding their secret from each other. Cause again, they kind of joked it off with the first situation with the quote unquote, uh, patients having an episode. I'll, I'll be curious to how they may handle that with Yor, maybe having to have an assassination attempt, but having Lloyd or Anya near her and how she's going to be able to cover it up. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I I think the fact that it hasn't really relied too heavily on what I expected to do is what I've been enjoying a lot with it. Because I yeah, getting into second and third episode, I keep trying to go well. Obviously, they'll do this in order to play off this joke, but they never do. So it's good. I, I'm I'm in, I really enjoy it. So definitely up there is one of my favorite of the season so far, and I cannot wait for more of it. And it's good to know that it has. 25 episodes to go with, so if, if, if it's not doing what I'm expecting it to do, that I think that'll make, keep it fresh for me going forward, because that's, yeah, that's a lot of episodes. I Yeah, I can't imagine 25 episodes for them to get that, that kind of a block. I can't imagine that it was in any way, shape, or form a disappointing series. So I'm, I'm highly excited about this show and, and very anticipating anything that they can throw at me. I think if it were, if it were, if it were to keep to just a strictly action comedy, I think... I'd be a little more worried about 25 episodes. I guess my point is the fact that they've included this wholesome family aspect that they're trying to introduce with it. Lloyd learning about the importance of family. You're having a family now and being a place to exist. And again, Anya having a family that won't discard her um, is really where I think that's you're going to get those legs like that. That is going to produce those legs. Seeing this goof, this goofy trio come together but also deal with outside things is going to be a lot of the enjoyment so yeah looking forward to it really enjoy it spy x family the executioner and her way of life or shokai shoujo no virgin road this one is streaming on high dive running for 12 episodes done by studio jc staff the source is a light novel the genres are action adventure drama fantasy and this one takes place in a fantasy world where Isekais are summoned to. <laughs> Basically, you kind of find out that it's pre it's taboo in this world itself, but people will summon people from other worlds to this world as lost ones that have abilities. Now, the weird thing is that it always seems to be from people from Japan, <laughs> and they've been doing it for quite a while, so they've, a lot of the culture of Japan has kind of been introduced to this world. But the, this, the unfortunate thing that you find out from the history of this world is that, again... A lot of people have been summoned to this world. At first, it seemed cool. They were bringing people from Japan. They had powers. They were introducing technology and stuff that, that they didn't have in this fantasy world before. But eventually, they found out that over time, as these lost ones or these other worlders use their uh, special ability that they have, it got more powerful to the point where it became uncontrollable and that caused these great disasters, these these human errors that they had in the past. And so... The upper class, the, the highest of ranks of this world, they have, like, um, there's three ranks. There's, like, commoners, there's noblesse, which are usually royalty, and then there's the faust, which is the church. Um, at some point, they kind of made it, deemed it taboo to summon people from other worlds, but they, keep, they still keep doing it. So the faust enlists these um, executioners in secrecy to find these other worlders that are summoned and, and kill them because, again, they're going to be a threat. 
And so we follow one such one of these executioners, Mano, who is currently searching for and taking out uh, targets. They end up finding out this one kingdom has summoned up uh, a couple of, of uh, other worlders to this world, one being Mitsuki, who is this boy um, that Mino quickly meets at the very beginning, which kind of introduced us to the idea of somebody kind of having a power and being um, slightly uh, uh, corrupted by it. And then come to find out this other girl, Akari, is also in the kingdom, and so she has to extract Akari from... Or, well, try to kill her first, but eventually extract. Uh, Akari is special in the idea that she's another worlder that has the ability to... At first, it seems like she's able to heal herself because Mino kills her really quickly. But it's really... Uh, Akari's able to turn back time. So when Mino executes Akari, uh, her power activates and time rewinds and the wound disappears and she's just fine. So Mino, realizing that she can't really kill this girl, uh, is then ordered to take Akari back to the main headquarters of the Faust and where they'll do a ceremony to get rid of her. So that's kind of the journey they start going back there and taking care of that. Along the way, you end up finding out that, yeah, it seems like whenever they come into a situation, there seems to be some sort of glitches that happen in time that might be caused by Akari, uh, which has obviously made me go off on a huge tangent about my theories on what this is doing, <laughs> which I've had a lot of fun with making videos for. But that's that's basically the gist. There's, there's also the talk about this other group that is known as the Original Sins that are trying to find sacrifices, and Mino has to figure out what's going on with that. Um, Akari really enjoys her time being around with Mino, even though Mino is trying to trick her into believing that she's got her best interest in mind. Um, yeah. And we got a little bit into her backstory, how Mino got to the current point she is, where she was once essentially found in the ruins of one of these um, other worlders that pretty much turned an entire kingdom into ash. And then she was brought in by Flair, which is an executioner, to teach her how to become an executioner so that she can don't prevent that from great, happening again. Don't they call them the great catastrophes or something like that? I thought they were called the human errors or something the like that. The human errors, that's what. Yeah. This is a an interesting show. There's a this is this is definitely one of those more story driven type stories. It's a story driven story? It's a story driven story. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um no story tell driven. Me, tell uh, us about the story driven story. <laughs> Uh, I, the, the characters are generally, uh, enjoyable. Um, I would really like to dig more into a lot of their more psychology. Um, Minnow, I'm really kind of, um, I, I do enjoy her, but they've already used the effectively emotionless, emotionless doll, uh, card. And so they, they what? basically, huh? What? You got Moshe's doll out of Minnow? Yes. No. Yeah, she her her soul was blanched and so therefore she has no soul that Well that, that kinda of indicated that she was a blank slate when she started out. There. Right. And, I don't and they're basically implying soul. now I'm I'm not saying that she uh that uh Akari is not affecting her. I'm saying that that's what they're going to try to play. That's the card that they are trying to play right now. She's going to make a cold-hearted decision at some point, and that's she's going to say that I have no emotions. Therefore, she's going to pretend that Akari is not affecting her, but in actuality, she is. The, the, my my point is not so much that um, that she's not. Uh, going to I'm saying that they've already basically tried to play that card now 
I find that to be interesting if they can pull this off because at the moment it to me it, it already seems very much this is the direction that they're going. I hope um, that they pull off a ex- explanation that Akari is affecting her a lot more than she believes that she is. And they're, they've already implied that with Momo. And Momo keeps saying, you, you're, you're, not, you're not seeing what is happening with uh, uh, the chest bag. Um, she keeps going on and on and on about how you, you, you have to be careful around this person because this person is affecting you. And so it'll be interesting to see how those, those characters interplay in, in, in later on episodes. Um, at this, at this point, I, I really love the world that they're setting up. Um, like Andrew, uh, when I was asking about the, the, the human errors, I really want to know what the, all of the human errors are The I know that one of them is the, like Andrew had said, the, 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 was they, that this, they listed them all. They've was, listed the them, salt, but they, that was a salt, the salt, sword. the salt sword, the, um, the white out. I don't know. They listed the ash one. Um, is the whiteout the same as the salt one, or or because no, it seems it like they were implying the other two? One, one was ashes, and one was salt, because it was it was the creation of the sword that could decimate everything, and the other one was the girl that basically turned everything to ash. So yeah, it's salt salt versus ash, really. And there, but there's two more because I, she left there and went to the the salt one later on. Right, she went with flair there. So there's there's a lot in the world that is really fascinating to dig into. Um, I I kind of want to see what's going on with the chamber, but I'm kind of I'm, I'm sure we'll find out with the next episode. <laughs> I think that's where they're going next. Right, the the chamber. I, it's, that's going to be the telling point. It's going to be the that's going to be the point where she decides. I yeah. think. And 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 I'm 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 fascinated by what what is it going to happen because I I I have these kind of ideas of this this moment that that she's going to go through that that she's going to realize that I'm I'm obviously making a bad decision by doing this and it's going to be kind of one of those reset type things yeah I don't know sort of salt that melted the western continent into the sea the pandemonium that devoured the southernmost uh, archipelago. Uh, the material room that took over the wild frontier in the east. That sounds really weird. What is a material room? Uh, the star husk that carved out the center of the northern continent and set it afloat. Yeah, those are all very vague. <laughs> but like I said, I don't think any of these are the salt, the, the ash one. These are these are literally continent removing stuff. Right. The ash one was just literally a one one kingdom, like a small kingdom, I think. So I don't know that it was classified as a human error because the human errors were the four major one that started the executioners and Flair was already an executioner when she met her. So the four errors were pre-executioners, I think. And it, 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 they, they, they're implying that Akari's power, and, and rightly so, is, is something that is akin to that. And, and I think that it's more fascinating when you stop to think about it, like Andrew had gone into with one, I, I think in, in one of your videos of if you take into consideration her power, they technically probably would never get to the human error le- levels because of what her power is. So it, it, there's, there's a lot of fascinating things about the world, and I really am enjoying the world itself. I, I kind of wish that we could get a little bit of love on the characters a bit more and so that we can get, dig into them and, and actually, because there's a lot of character study uh, 
potential in this store in in this 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 world and i really am excited about it this is easily one of my favorite of the season like i i absolutely love this show i i think it's through and through amazing i don't agree with the soulless doll aspect because i i think mino several times addresses the idea that she understands that what she's doing is wrong it's just a duty it's it's literally a duty bound aspect I agree that she was technically started out as a clean slate, but she was she still understands what she's doing is wrong. It's just an aspect because she she apologizes like she's like I'm sorry, but you are a threat. Like you, nothing you did was wrong. It's just I have to do this. This show is literally a study about the gray area because it's so fascinating that they they don't shy away from the idea that everybody brought to this world is unfortunate. Like you, you, you're brought here. You will have a power, and you will become corrupted eventually. And it addresses the idea that they are technically innocent. They were brought here beyond their own wishes. They have no way to return, and they will be a threat to the world. And so they have to be executed. There's no way around it. the The ones that summon them are the bad guy. That's the only one that's the bad guy in this world. And it's obviously hinting at this idea that the reason they're being summoned is probably to overthrow the Faust because the Faust had the power of this world. Um, and the Faust, in return, were trying to stop it. And you can probably argue that there's probably going to be at some point this idea that maybe the Faust are using um, otherworlders too. I've already kind of um, theorized that Minot could possibly be one. It, it's really fascinating. I think the world they've built so far is just truly something that I'm just eating up because every everything they kind of explain has me theorizing on what could be possibly going forward. Minot's character is fantastic. I love her character design. Like, love it to death. Uh, Momo is cute as well. I love her character design as well. Um, Akari is the big question mark for me. <laughs> Akari is the question mark because, yes, I, I kind of agree with the idea that you – is it going to be as simple as Mino is very duty-bound and feels like this is the way it has to be? There's no other way. And then eventually Akari shows her, no, it doesn't have to be this way because I'm your friend or whatever. I don't know that it'll be that simple. I'm already theorizing way beyond this. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm a hundred levels into my theorizing into the future on what the show's going to end up doing, and a lot of that has to do with Akari's power and what could possibly be the limits of her power. Um, they've already hinted a little bit on the idea that it again, she technically can reverse time on herself. She may have reverse time on a area at least. How far does her power reach, and how? I guess how in distance can it reach is my big theories that I'm already throwing on this show. And because of that stuff, I am just super hooked on this show. Now, will it be disappointing in the end? I don't know. I don't know if my theories will end up being disappointing uh, when they finally possibly will get revealed with this particular. I mean, honestly, we don't even know if we'll get those answers within the first 12 episodes of this. But so far with the first four episodes... I love it to death. I'm having so much fun theorizing on what they're possibly doing with this series. I love the character so far. Um, I love the world. I love the mechanics. I love the history that it has. Um, again, the gray area that it sits in because it, it feels wrong. Like the first execution that you see is like you feel wrong and the character expresses how it's wrong. But it's something they can't avoid because of, again, there's no other choice at this point besides destruction one way or another. Um, I like how with the first character they kind of introduce, he, he he uses his ability, and then he he has this one comment that he makes, which is, "Now nobody can get in my or now I don't have to worry about people getting in my way, 
And then I think he also made a comment to something like, I can even erase everything. And it's like, whoa, there it is. <laughs> like, it's, there was a sign. Like, there, that one sign of, like, and it could be a passing comment, like, just a joke. But it's still the possibility that they don't want to risk again. Because, again, the whole salted continent that's slowly being eaten away by the ocean, that kind of stuff. The Yes, the whiteout from uh, the person at Minoa. And it was, it was it's, it's unsettling because technically with Minoa's history, you see this – it's a scroll girl. Like she's young and she's crying because she didn't mean to do it. Like I don't want this to happen. Why this happened? Why is everything white? She's literally – something has happened beyond her control. She lost control and she has to be executed. Like it, it feels wrong, but it's kind of the reality of this world and like I said, I guess I guess the only enemies are the ones that eat Sekai people. So, um, yeah, loving it to death. Cannot wait for more of it. I hope it doesn't let me down going forward because I really did feel after the third episode, I was getting so into it, and all my theories start my theories that I was creating were starting to go crazy. I had watched my third episode of a video. I just I went crazy with it. <laughs> um, I'm afraid that it will start petering down. Like, have, has the writer revealed all their cards, or will they continue to either evolve the mechanics, evolve the characters, evolve the world, or are they going to... Have they basically showed all their cards? That's the big question mark that I'm going to have, because I've been eating it up so far a lot. Um, I'm hoping Akari won't be as simple as she seems. I have theories on what she actually is doing, and I'm hoping that will come to fruition, just because I think it'll be more interesting. But uh, I've enjoyed Mino, and I think that she's a really interesting character to really dive into. So, yeah, I think the magic was cool. Like the scripture thing, I got a kick out of that. Like she, she basically reads scripture off of this book that they carry, or she she calls out scripture, and the scripture is like very, it's very biblical kind of scripture where it's like uh, the bells will toll, will bring them to knees or something like that, and literally a whole bell appears. And just, like, causes some gravity effect on people and blood starts gushing out. Or um, the wall of protection uh, will protect the faithful or something like that. And this big, huge wall appears to block stuff. Um, I love that stuff. That was that stuff was so cool. Um, just kind of incorporating scripture into magic casting I thought was interesting. So, yeah, as you can tell, I really love this show. <laughs> I can't wait. I hope it doesn't. I just I, – I have a feeling this show is going to get, like, just – taper off at some point but it hasn't so far so we'll see that's the executioner and her way of life easily one of my favorite of the season check that out if it's interesting to you uh easily the number one favorite of the season let's be honest a sentence of a bookworm season three uh i'm not reading that whole title uh honzaki no gecko joel is is basically the title uh this one's streaming on crunchyroll only running for 10 episodes unfortunately we're only getting 10 episodes this season but hey it's something i'll take it uh, being done by Studio Aijiado, uh, the source is a light novel. The genres are fantasy, slice of life. Um, I don't know how much I want to get into this because I, I, I still at this point want people to go and watch the series. And I think if we talk too much about the I, – I guess we could say soft spoiler for the season itself. But, um, yeah, things are really ramping up this season. Uh, for those that don't know, where, don't know what the series is, it's essentially about a girl who is a bookworm who gets an unfortunate accident – uh, she gets transported into another world where she is placed into the body of mine. Uh, we qu- find out really quickly that mine is very weak. Her, her, she's very frail physically, um, and she's being taken care of by her family. She lives in the commoner section of this particular domain. Uh, a lot of it's kind of run by the church and the nobles, where she lives in the commoner section. Um, she's being taken care of by her family. 
uh, starting out, her whole focus is just to get a book. And obviously, being in the commoner section, you don't get a book as a commoner. <laughs> Uh, and so she kind of makes it her goal to create book. Like if I can't find a book, I will create a book. And so it goes in this whole aspect of her trying to, uh, basically invent things. She eventually catches the interest of a merchant of this particular area. Um, and that slowly moves into the kind of the thing that she's inflicted with what, what makes mine, um, uh, so frail and what we kind of assume is the reason probably I'm, I'm assuming that the mind, the mind of this world probably passed away that day. And then she took over her body. But what that infliction is that she's facing, how it involves the church, and so on and so forth. So, but yeah, this season has been pretty much um, a lot of buildup. Like I was, I was afraid when we got into the second season, we started getting into the church aspect and the cathedral and all that kind of stuff. But I ended up loving it. Um, and this one seems like it's trying to take a lot of. She's starting to catch the the eye of a lot of people. Let's just say that she's catching the eye of a lot of important people, and that's kind of it. It pull it both puts her in danger, it puts the domain in danger, and it her future is in danger. And Ferdinand, obviously knowing the capability of mine, is he's trying to protect her any way that he can. And they thought that her being in the cathedral would be enough, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be enough. And I really have my theories already on where that threat's coming from, and I'm. <laughs> Like with this last episode, I'm like, holy crap, things are I'm I'm feeling like there's gonna be a big turning point coming up here soon. Like there's gonna be something really crazy happen because I feel like it's building up a lot of stuff. Now, to be honest, the series never has relied on that kind of stuff. Like it it, it never relies on this big point in which everything kind of hits the fan. So I don't know if it will have that point, but it's it's obviously building up to something really big. Um including a lot of characters. It's inc- it's it's speculating on a lot of characters, but getting back to my impressions on the series, I love it still. <laughs> like, this is, is it a big shock to anybody? Do I even have to mention it? Um, it's good. Like, every episode, I'm so hooked. I love mine. She's adorable. I love her dynamic with Fernand uh, here recently. And I, I think it's just building up to something really huge like, uh, here soon. Um, I love that we went and explored Damiel again, which was one of the soldiers that kind of let something unfortunate happen to mine last season. Um, they finally had him kind of come to a realization of his wrongdoings and that whole situation I thought was cool. Um, again, getting into the festival or the fest, the ceremonies and what it could mean for the future has been a big question mark. They finally introduced the other blue robe that was introduced in the PV. So I'm really curious to see what he's all about. Uh, it seems like Ferdinand doesn't like him. So <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. But, um, yeah, really loving it. Um, I, I, I think this season, more so than ever, like I said, is a lot of buildup, but also I, I was very, I, every now and then I, I, even with shows that I really like and stories that I really like, sometimes I doubt the writers and I felt like I had a doubting point, um, with one of the episodes where I felt like it was overblowing something and that I was overthinking what this, the writer was doing. And then the writer kind of delivers, like it had this feeling that mine was being isolated and almost kind of going back to her old self and feeling a lot of doubt in those around her, not doubt in hers, those around her, uh, feeling isolated and feeling alone and losing stuff. And it finally addressed it at the end of the episode. And I was like, okay, good. <laughs> That's right. The writer's good. <laughs> like this writer, she knows what she's doing and I'm not overblowing what's happening on the screen. Um, I love that. It's, it's, it's like a mixture of really cool world building, great characters, 
through and through, and I just can't get enough of it. If you have not started watching the series already, please do. I know I think we've pretty much converted most of our listeners to watching this show, but if you're a straggler, <laughs> get on it. I love it to death. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm absolutely loving this, and if it if it's fantastic to know that even three seasons in that we're still getting some really fantastic writing out of this um it's it's one of those it's one of those uh things that i i i truly do love is is that how much the the setup and 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 payoff that i get episode by episode it's I seen especially if you talk if for those of you who have not um kind of when Andrew was talking about it, I, I'm, I'm going in, in, in my mind and, and remembering some of the older episodes. And, uh, it, it was really nice to kind of do these, uh, these kind of recap episodes just before I watched this. Um, the, the two recap episodes in, uh, f- were fantastic by the way. Um, they really did kind of skim over everything and captured the essence of all those very, very fantastic moments. It caught the main points, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was really great to get that kind of refresher of, and, and seeing how much of a, how much progress mine has honestly made since the very beginning of the story, all the way to the, the, these episodes now where we're actually talking about something that. Um, she actually has pieces for something that she really has wanted to put together for quite a while now. And, and so it's, it's really great to see the, the progression of, of, of mine through the, through Gutenberg. the seasons. <laughs> Gutenberg. <laughs> a Gutenberg. Um, and, and I actually, for all of his gruffness, I do actually really like Ferdinand. He oh, I actually, love him. I love he, him. Uh, I and well, Ben, Benno as well is it the, these two, uh, for a lack of a better term, uh, second or uh, big brother kind of figures in, in, uh, mine's life is really great because they, they bounce off of her in a certain way. She likes it, it, I like the way mine kind of just bullheads these, uh, these two characters into effectively submitting. And yet at the same time, both of them and their gruffness is, really teaching her a lot um they 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 put up these brick walls for her that that you can't go this far you have to you have to be kind of more realistic about your expectations and ferdinand is kind of like this uh the um the society side while um Bino is kind of this more um explore your your um your entrepreneurial side or whatever I can't even pronounce right now for whatever reason. Um, so the merchant side is with Benno and, and Ferdinand is the kind of uh, society side. And I really like how those two characters where she's pushing the limits of what she can get away with and, and going into what Andrew was talking about her pushing those limits and them working with her to get get to the point place where she can really shine is catching the attention of people that are not so savory. And, and those and Ferdinand and, and Benno are, are, are trying to protect her. And at, at the same time, still kind of push her to, to this, this point where it, it's, it's almost like the hold back a little bit. Yeah. You know, I know you want to do this, but hold back a little bit. And that, and that then her bullheading, through and 
and forcing them to to kind of do the things that uh, that she wants to do. And so I love the interplay between all these characters. And I just love the the internal um, thinking about what what it is that truly is important to to these people. And so I I love it. It's, It's it's fantastic show all around. I think it's always been a great little um, balance between, um, I guess, self-benefit that I'm, both Benno and Ferdinand have had um, versus what's best for her. Because they obviously, they do see benefit in her and they gain something from her, but at the same time, always kind of have the best wishes for him. Even with Ferdinand, like in this recent episode and having to kind of explain things to the parents is like, it sucks because it's like one of those things where you can't avoid this. So you only have really two options. And... I'm looking out for the best of the situation. If you can't accept that, then there's nothing we can do. And that's like tough love kind of stuff, <laughs> like like super tough love stuff. So yeah, it, it really has me curious about what they're going to do going forward. Um, I, I think with how big the situation is getting for mine, I really am curious of what the writer would do going forward. Like I said, cause I think there's a huge turning point coming up and I'm really curious of how, how the writer plans on kind of settling that. So We'll see. Sense of Bookworm Season 3. The reveal of the snake in the grass. Right. It's only a matter of time. Kaya Summer Love is War Ultra Romantic. Streaming uh, on Crunchyroll, done by A1 Pictures. Uh, still great. I, I still love this. For those who don't know, it's basically two people that are part of the student council. Uh, the president, Miyuki Shirogane, and the vice president, Kaguya Shinomiya. And they both love each other, but because they... They don't want to be the one that that steps forward first. They want the other to confess. They are constantly uh, competing against each other. And all the other people that are in the student council and the shenanigans that unfolds and the greatest narrator ever, basically. <laughs> it's still good. Like, this series just does not let up. It's still absolutely fantastic. Um, I, it, it had a little fun moment with... Um, both uh, Ishi, uh, Ishigami and Ino, which was 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 great. I love the. Uh, we finally had the return of Ai Hayasaka going after Shirogane, which was was great as well. Uh, I haven't watched the recent episode, unfortunately, but I, I've been loving it. It's still good. Like I don't I don't know if this writer will ever get old, and I think a lot of that has to do with the narrator just pulling off every scene, making every comedic moment more grandiose than it is. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's all, it, same here. I absolutely love this show. I, I I think that out of everything, we had maybe one slow moment in the second season at some point, but everything else has been fantastic. I, Chris really doesn't like Ishigami's story. <laughs> Chris <laughs> never is going to let that one go. That was the whole reason why it fell underneath, uh, uh, what was it, the... Gosh, I finally forgotten the name, so I'll never make fun of you anymore. Uh, Warlords of Sigtrafa, yes. It, it, it it's a fantastic show and i love it and uh we we get this uh yeah like andrew had mentioned this kind of ishigami uh uh you know uh kind of interplay and i i love that it's it's, the, it's great. the red text thing was so great like that was that was the best thing they could put in the first episode for this new season was just i was rolling just this whole thing that kaguya getting a new phone and finally being introduced to line and not knowing that it tells the person that you received and looked at the 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 text and so the entire time hayasaka is like i need to tell her but i'm too afraid of telling her and then eventually shirakane finally calls and says i don't know if you know this but it tells you it tells it gives a receipt that you've read the message and she's like just she doesn't know what to do 
<laughs> yeah. Should have let her suffer. Yeah, Hayasaka totally Hayasaga saved, saved her. She totally saved her. Yeah, we have it on the computer or in the main. No, I, I, I loved the 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 earphones not being completely plugged in and everybody trying to help. That her. that was that was great. I loved it. It was fantastic. Who studies to like construction noises? <laughs> I love the 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 uh, the 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 guys giving her uh, positive uh, comment things. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, definitely. You're if so you have not Hawaii, everybody loves you. <laughs> If you're not already, definitely check out Kaguya-sama Love is War. Uh, Ultra Romantic, still still delivering. Hopefully we can finally get some sort of confession at the end of the season. Right. Then the last one we have is Day Day Live Season 4. This one now is being done by Geek Toys because it seems to be a tradition for Day Day Live to change studios every single season. Uh, being streamed on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes. Uh, Source is a light novel. Comedy, romance, sci-fi is the genres. Um... Uh, yeah, so we've already introduced our next spirit. <laughs> I, guess, I, I don't know. I, I, are we? Are we at, how many we got now? Are we like nine now? Yeah, I, I, I guess for those that don't know, it basically takes place in this world where this big catastrophe happened. And in response to it, we kind of find out about this guy that's able to kind of charm these spirits that cause these catastrophes. And the whole idea is just like the title leads you to believe is this idea that this guy will have to date these spirits and seal away their powers before they become another catastrophe. And so that's the whole joke is um, several people will... He gets assigned... He, they find a spirit, they locate the spirit, and the spirit takes on the body of a human, and the whole idea is that he needs to romance them to the point where they open their hearts up to him, and then he can seal away their powers so that they don't get out of control. Because the alternate is that they cause catastrophe or they're executed because they're a danger through this world. So, thus begins him building a harem legit because it's to save mankind. He needs to do it to save mankind, people. Um, but yeah, now that we're like four seasons in, I there, there's there's a lot of girls. And <laughs> they're still adding more. Apparently there's another one like this one I think is supposed to be this season. I, I've never seen her before. But yeah, we just added Nia Honjo to the mix. Yeah. Well, she uh, yeah. is the, was she the sister? Sister spirit, yeah, sister spirit. She's. Uh, I was. I counted it up in my head. And I think that we're at eleven technically, and I think there's one that's out in the open that they've not really addressed. They just. It, it, it just is supposed to be there because um, Renee is is the second spirit. So there's another one that's out there that I don't. I don't know that they've uh, actually addressed. And then there's Kurumi. Um, I don't know why Kurumi's got no image. It, apparently, we're not allowed to look at Kurumi. Oh, that's what happened. I was wondering why you didn't have Kurumi in there. <laughs> she's did her image um, broke apparently. No, I she's I, too powerful. She's she too turned powerful. back time and deleted she turned her image. back time and and took it away from you because you don't appreciate her. Um, no, I I love this show and the the new season. Just adding a new girl, uh, just give me more. I I the, that's what it really comes down to. Is I I just give me more, give me more. I I enjoy the show so. Please, by all means, keep going. There you go. <laughs> I, I I don't want to overcomplicate it. it I mean, those who love this show love the show. I I can't. Um, it it's it's one of those by now. I mean, if you 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 go through the first season, you'll pretty much know if you like this show. The 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 characters Shido is fine. Um, it, it's really all about the girls. The girls. Uh, I, it's it's even funny because I. I'm I'm all, I've always been mixed on Toka and she's 
she's kind of gone to the the wayside a long time ago she's she pops up here and there but for the most part i i just generally love the girls the girls are really a lot of fun Shido just kind of does whatever they tell him to do here and there so yeah i like it i really do love the show i guess to actually get some thought into this with the the new season is i mean unique about the season is they are technically introducing i mean they've they've already gotten to the idea of inverting the spirit um i'm trying to remember westcott i i know i i vaguely remember westcott but yeah technically i'm with you it's it's really about the girls and each quirk that they have and how shido will figure out what they i mean with this particular season we had nia honjo which is the sister her whole thing is that she only likes 2d things so they had to figure out some way of making her attracted to shido so that she opens her heart to him and then they can you know seal her away and so it's figuring out the quirk of each of these individual girls, what will open their hearts to him, and then he can steal it away. That's that's the shtick. Now, the to extend that further is getting into the additional stuff, like what is Kurumi doing? Um, again, the inverted spirit aspect, which I don't, I think they used on the, Origami, well, I believe. The, the, but now it's being introduced as a way for somebody else to capture the power of the the spirits, and that's the the shtick for now. Well, that, Shido is able to do it, but. Now somebody's figuring out a way of forcing it to happen, I guess. The the inverted spirit thing was not really something that they, they've dug into. It was just something that it, – it was a, a thing that Westcott kind of mentioned with um, – who was it that I they – Origami. I think they got into it with Origami. They, yeah, maybe that was who it was. Because they, they Origami really have dig- like two different forms that she ended up going into or something like that. I, I'd have to go back and look. It's been it's been a while since we've had dating life. And and that's the thing is it, the the inverted spirit was such a kind of a background thing that they. This is the first time that we've actually seen something involving the 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 inverted spirit. And that it, it is, and that that's kind of the thing is it. It, if if we dig into it, I mean, we we have so little information on it. Is it literally it created a a, a a demon god? Okay, that's kind of a cool idea, um, but that's literally all it did. It was literally they said that the opposite of a a spirit is a demon god, which is cool. It is really an interesting thing. But to I, I I really do think that it would it'll be a fascinating thing to go into, and it, that could bring a lot of. Um, it technically inverted all of her abilities too, because her book was all about like calling to like Ezekiel, and then it turned into her calling to Beelzebub instead. Yeah, I, I yes, it's we're not trying to overcomplicate the story. This is insane stuff, but it is something to add to just it being a harem. Like, what could possibly come out of? Could we see them go through characters like Yoshino and invert her, and what would that? invert her ability to would it be an opposite effect to everybody's thing so everybody's ability would just be opposite or whatever but which would be a fascinating thing is uh because you you have the the witch girl who is all about illusion um would that what would what would the opposite of that be i mean i just don't think i don't know that they'll get into it with all the rest of them because they technically put in a technicality to save nia they 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 had a because you got in a little bit Nia's not dead. Because if they're inverted and he takes their power, they're dead. So they had to throw in a technicality to save Nia. I don't see them doing that for every character because they he's 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 basically taking their ever essence. And if he doesn't somehow get them to revert slightly, they'll die. So I don't know that they're necessarily going to get into everybody being inverted, even though I think that would be cool. 
unless he just snaps them out of it before the guy steals their power. I guess. Well, and that and that, that's that's the other thing is he's got to make them lose their humanity as well. Yeah. Or was it he? They, he broke her. Yeah, he broke her. He he showed her the terrible things that he's been doing to her for several like five years or something like that just to break her. And I don't know necessarily that everybody has that feeling unless they start forcing it. Like suddenly I know her showing. We're going to take Yoshino and show her war or something like that. And then she suddenly gets broken and then he can invert her or whatever. Um, I think that'll be that'll be a stretch. I, w- I won't put it past him <laughs> just to have fun with that ability. But um, he obviously Westcott's – well, I guess Westcott's technically – ha- he he now has more power than he needs. Like let's be honest. The, the book was pretty OP. <laughs> like yeah. that is pretty darn OP no matter how you cut it. I don't think that he necessarily needs – the ability to free stuff with Yoshinik because he can write to free stuff. Um, he's got literally the most overpowered. And I, it kind of made sense to me the moment they had this whole happening with him uh, inverting Nia because I felt like she can't stick around. She's got her. He's, she's way too powerful. Like something's going to happen that's going to take that from their hands. Uh, yeah, sure enough. Let's just give it to the bad guy. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's it's been good. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I don't think, again, I don't, I'm similar to Chris. I don't. I wouldn't blow it up to being anything spectacular. So um, it's just fun. It's just a fun show. It's always been kind of a fun show. Um, I enjoyed them trying to figure out how to to break Nia and make her accept him <laughs> coming there with cosplay. <laughs> he would never do that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So there you go. That's uh, Daily Life for yes. We are watching it. As much as some certain content creators are questioning if people actually still watch the show, we are watching it. But yeah. That's it. That's it for this episode. I'm so glad we're splitting this up in half because we're only halfway through the shows and we're already running long. So obviously it was a good choice to split the first impressions. I think the other side effect is that like at some point we start to kind of try to push it forward faster. And so we don't get a chance to really talk about stuff. And I think that's a rushing through these shows is not not a good thing. So, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this first part of the spring 2022 anime season first impressions again like we like i said we have at least 16 more shows to go through so we hope that you guys will, you guys will join us for next week to cover those shows um a rough idea of what i have down currently is loading heroines run the show onipon a couple of cuckoos cuckoos sorry cuckoos sorry chris i think what i finally figured out what's was breaking me with that it's because of the Japanese title. I keep seeing this, and I, it, it, I'm broken forever because the Japanese title is Kako no uh, Inazuki. So I'm blaming it on that. It's Japanese stuff. Anyways, Shikamori is not just a cutie. The Dawn of the Witch, Love After World Domination, Yaboi Koming, Healer Girl, Tomodachi Game, In the Heart of Konoichi Sabaki, Day I Am On, Summertime Rendering, The Demon Girl Next Door Season 2, the Rising of Shield Hero Season 2, Science Fell in Love So I Tried to Prove It Season 2, and Kaginato Season 2. So... Definitely look forward to that. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, I m- might throw some other ones. Like I think at Birdie, I have, haven't watched yet. I might throw that in there. Um, maybe Aoshi, Ao- whatever that show's called. But yeah, that's the, that's the positive list. That's the, the for sure will be next week. So hope you guys enjoyed this video and this audio, all that stuff. Podcast, as usual, we're at TalkSpear.com. It's where you can find all of our socials, our link to our Discord, and ways to support us, including Patreon and a tips link so you can do one-time donations. We definitely appreciate everybody that supports us, and y'all take care. Os.
Show me all your great.